Oh, man, it's just one of those days. YouTube wasn't letting us create the stream for some reason. And so we had to keep trying to recreate it. So you got to put a title and you got to put the description and do all this work. And then we're like, okay, go. And then YouTube goes, deleted, no. Uh And then we're like, "Uh, okay, refresh, try again. And then the same thing happens. And I'm just like, oh, jeez, dude. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it's a crazy, crazy time out there, man. We're hearing some restaurants in L.A. are being forced to shut down because some of their fully vaccinated uh, staff members have contracted breakthrough cases of COVID. There is a story going around. Mitch McConnell insinuating the lockdowns will be coming back because enough people are not getting vaccinated. And at the same time, for some reason, they're letting people just walk through the border. In a viral video, you literally just see illegal immigrants escorted through the border with CBP standing there, you know, waving, hey, come on in. It's amazing. They're saying over 300 plus either people or groups. I'm not sure if they're saying groups. The, the local journalist said the group was seen coming through over 300 plus seen earlier today. So maybe he means people, but I mean, they're just welcoming people in at a time when there's a 900% surge in COVID cases among the illegal immigrants that are that are coming through the border. So if if they're saying that lockdowns are looming because of the rise in these cases, and then they're letting in tons of people who have COVID. <laughs> Either they're really, really dumb or intentionally bringing about, yeah, COVID lockdowns. Mm. But we'll get into that. And we also, we're also going to talk a bit about critical race theory because there was some error. I guess apparently the Biden administration was pushing some anti-whiteness and then got questioned on it. And they were like, uh, uh, ooh, oof. yeah, no, we should not have done that. And so now they're walking things back. And we're going to be talking about this with Kenny Shu who is the author of An Inconvenient Minority and presumably a self-described inconvenient minority. Is that, <laughs> yes. is that a fair assessment? Uh, perfectly fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Do you want to just uh, give a quick introduction to who you are, what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So I am the author of the new book, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Um, I talk about this value about of meritocracy that our culture is increasingly losing because it increasingly wants to treat people on the basis of their race and not on the basis of the content of their character. So what do we lose when we penalize Asian American success or just American success? Because it's not just about Asian Americans. It's about anybody who works hard, studies hard, tries to be successful. And uh, what do we do when we penalize the excellent? Well, I talk about that in my book, An Inconvenient Minority. I think we'll just end up like a bunch of the, the American society and the global society will just be a bunch of really, really dumb people. It'll be like idiocracy. Oh. And, I, and I'm not even joking, right? Mm. You uh-huh. take away meritocracy and people earn things not based on merit, but based on identity. It's like, what are they doing? It's like, it's like sorting chickens. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, these ones got to go over there and these ones got to go over there. And it's just like, what, in, 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 how does that help humanity in any way? Yeah, absolutely. You want to watch a very hapless and boring sports game, get some of the most <laughs> mediocre people and make them start. You know, it's like it's like that South Park episode. Remember, Sarcastable, mm. where like the kids were like they were playing with balloons or whatever, and they were wearing bras and stuff like that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that, into this stuff. We got we got we got Ian Sin. Yeah, hey, we're in a weird shirt. Yeah, this is. Uh, thank you, Tim. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you approve. Uh, this is very interesting because a lot of excellence when you when you put people into a meritocracy falls along, I think, the Pareto distribution. And um, Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson was talking about this, that you have very, very few people at the very top. And you can see this throughout almost all of human culture. And the only place where it seems to fail is money because money gets passed down. So you get these people that are born into extreme amounts of wealth. And Mm -hmm. so there's a bit of a a meritocracy imbalance when it comes to wealth. Yeah, I mean, 
that that's totally true. It's, I mean, and you know, it's funny because our elite right now, um, people are fighting over these scarce elite prestigious positions at places like Harvard University, and and now you know people are a lot of these ambitious people. Um, feel like they have to be a part of some victim category in order for them to have a shot at a place like Harvard or a shot at a place like a prestigious arts fellowship or, you know, a Guggenheim or something like that. And it's funny because you see this and now you have one out of six um, people in Gen Z, one out of six Generation Zers think that they are LGBTQ plus um, which is an interesting thing if you think about it, because you know we know that biologically speaking, um, that is much higher than the ratio of people biologically who would be LGBTQ plus. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's like a social component. So there's a social component. There's a reason why people tend to identify in that direction. People actually want to identify now as victim categories because it does give them these unearned privileges. I think a lot of people have pointed it out too. Just. Say, claim uh, underprivileged status. I think it was Brown University that allowed people to identify as a minority if they so choose. Yeah. Well, we'll get into all of that. We got Lydia pressing buttons. I am in the corner. I'm sorry my cool shirt can't compete with Ian's cool shirt. I'm a little bit jealous. And I just wanted to say that Abigail Schreier talks about the the social component of like making this a cool thing, and especially among young women. It's a huge <laughs> problem. It's an issue. We have this wonderful new website, TimCast.com. And when you become a member there, you get access to exclusive member episodes of the TimCast IRL podcast, which go up every night, Monday through Thursday around 11 p.m. And you'll be supporting our great, fearless and intrepid journalists, of which we are hiring more and more and more. We got a bunch of people coming out this weekend. We've got some, uh, I believe we've got the D&D people coming out. So we're going to be doing we're going to be doing a, a Dungeons and Dragons style show that is tracking politics. And so we create these campaigns that are similar to things that are happening in the political space. This is the idea so far. And then we have different people playing, will experience these things and have to make choices. And we'll see what choices would they make. And this is where we really learn about people. You see, is Ian truly an authoritarian or is he actually a kind-hearted hippie? I'm going to play a neutral half-orc. Neutral half-orc. That's fine. And we'll see what happens. I have chosen. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really like it, if you're listening on a podcast or whatever, then uh, you can uh, give us five stars and all that good stuff. Let's jump into this first story and just talk about what's been going on with these lockdowns. LA restaurants are forced to close amid rise in COVID-19 cases as California coronavirus hospitalizations hit highest point since March. The Daily Mail reports some LA restaurants that have prevailed through the pandemic lockdowns are now closing their doors as cases rise, mainly due to the Indian Delta COVID variant. It comes as they all see an increase in cases, and California has seen infections rise to 5,063 per day, or a 160% increase from 1,900... Wait, what is this? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. From 1,946 two weeks ago. Bottega Louie and the Village Idiot have posted on their Instagram pages about closing. The Village Idiot said it closed because a fully vaccinated staff member was diagnosed with the virus. Hmm. At least seven counties in California, making up more than half of the state's residents are urging residents to wear masks indoors. California's hospitalizations due to COVID-19 have more than doubled in the last month, according to the LA Times. Now, uh, you may got, you guys may have heard LA, they're doing man- mandatory masks indoors. Las Vegas is, we get this. On Tuesday, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot suggested she may, may, she may make masks mandatory like LA as cases increase 164% in a month from 34 per day to 90 per day. 
And they go on to say the, it's, it's, they're blaming this on Delta. But let me let me highlight something else. Mitch McConnell warns there could be lockdowns if Americans don't get vaccinated as the Delta variant continues to wreak havoc. I'm just going to come out and say, man, it is going to be incredibly difficult to convince people that they should get the vaccine if we're hearing at the same time they're planning lockdowns regardless of the vaccine. Mm. So I, we, whenever we talk about this stuff, you know what we say? Go talk to your own doctor. Yeah, you know, sure. you know, it's really crazy, though. We're watching all this stuff happen. There's a lot of stuff we'll get into in a minute, too, especially with like the, the economy, you know, uh, Joe Biden's town hall. For some reason, it has now become, I guess, uh, uh, on the left, anti-vaxxer to say, talk to a doctor about what? what's right for you. So, wow. yeah, so there was there was a post by uh, uh, Casey Neistat. Cool dude. Big fan, right? Wow. I, I've known him for a while. He's a cool dude. And he just put get vaccinated. And I said, no, talk to your doctor. OK, he's like, don't be so absolute. Yes, you'll, you'll probably end up being advised to get a vaccine. I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. I'm saying talk to a doctor. A lot of people say like, oh, well, my doctor's not smart or I don't trust my doctor. It's like, OK, get a better doctor. Yeah. If I, if I invited a plumber to my house and I was like, my toilet's clogged. And he was like, I recommend smashing it with a sledgehammer. I'd be like, bro, are you a plumber or not? Like, I'm going to find a plumber who's going to be like, I will fix your toilet. You know what I mean? So anyway, look, right. I said, go to a doctor. Ask them, you know, just five minutes, not even just, hello, doc, what do you think? You know, here's my age, here's my my history. The doctor says, well, here's what I think. But for some reason, I am getting attacked by a ton of people who are like, that's anti-vaxxer. They're like, why be so dumb? It's actually against the rules on YouTube to tell people not to go to a doctor. This is, this is the point we're at right now, where regardless of the news, regardless of what's going on with lockdowns, you have, I guess, vaccine zealotry. Of like, just let the strange man come to your door, knock on your door and give you a vaccine. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, if, if they do, call your doctor and say, what do you think? Apparently that's bad now, I guess. That's where we're at. Wow. You know, it's 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 crazy because you have these <clears throat> the government imposed lockdowns. Right. And they, and they said, um, we are doing this for your your benefit, your safety. But then they're taking away all of control. You know, they're taking away your freedom to be able to. Um, you know, go where you want and do these kinds of things based Live. on this virus. And they're basically taking away your own ability to, to, to accurately judge for yourself, you know, what the best thing is that works for you. It's, it's almost like, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. I was genuinely surprised because people responded to me and they were like, you're so dumb. Like I, I get inundated with these tweets where they're like, you're dumb. And they're like, the doc will just tell you to get the vaccine. And I'm like, so what's the problem? Like, seriously, here, here's, here's, my, here's, what I'm, here's, here's what bothers me, right? We have the vaccine adverse event reporting system. All right. And they recently, like, added more numbers to it. And there's, like, a point zero zero three six. Uh, um, I think it's point zero zero three six. I don't, I don't get the numbers wrong. YouTube will get mad at me. But it's, like, a very, 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 very low amount of reported deaths from uh, Inverse. And, okay, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, what if we could reduce those numbers by making sure that people talk to a doctor before they just went out to one of these, you know, centers or before they decided to get vaccinated. Yeah. Cause, cause let's, let's say there's somebody who would normally have, have a counterindication or, or an allergy and you've got all the celebrities in the world. You've got people like Casey Neistat and they're telling people just go do it. And Casey's response to me was that he went to a parking lot, waited 45 minutes, stuck his arm out the window. And then they said, carry on good sir. And I'm like, what? would you talk to a doctor first? Like I'm, I'm like, even, even at these places, they want you to fill out the form to make sure you don't have any allergies or anything like that. If we could get people to simply be like, hey, here's my history. And mm-hmm. then the doc said in that rare, rare instance, oh, hey, wait, what's that? You've got a, you've got a glycol allergy or something like that. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say don't do it. 
maybe we could reduce VAERS and reduce actual uh, harm and vaccine hesitancy. And then maybe then we could actually solve this problem. But you know what, man? The entire time we've been going through this COVID thing, we're like chickens running around with our heads cut off. What we need to avoid is panic. That is the number one problem. And I think we talked about this in March of 2020, Tim, you and I. The real danger that we face as a society is panic. If we do this right and we and we do it safely, I think should be at least better, I would imagine. Or the <laughs> best they can be. Bro, I don't even know anymore. All right, look, there's a video there's a video of illegal immigrants being just like walked through the southern border. Forty border patrol agents this year caught COVID. Wow. A 900% wow. increase in COVID cases among illegal immigrants. And I'm just sitting here like, uh, bro, I don't, I'm trying, look, the people who watch this show are not dumb people. They're often correcting us. They're like, Tim, this is what you got wrong. We get emails all the time. And I'm right. like, oh, that's a good point. How am I supposed to be like this, this voice of reason when I'm like, we really got to, you know, everyone's got to pitch in, go to your doctor, make sure you find out what's right for you. And if you can't get that vaccine and then they're like, but Tim. They're just opening the security gates and walking people through that are sick. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Even more reason to be careful and focus, talk to doctors and, and do things Take care right, of your own you health. Know? That's yeah. first and foremost. You know what's really funny is I, I think I figured out exactly why they're mad about the talk to your doctor thing. Because it's like deontology versus utilitarianism, which I reference every so often. Uh-huh. And it's the, the collective left are very much like for the collective good, uh-huh. the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. Whereas deontology is it's very kind of broad, but the general idea is, you know, each each action is its own action. Right. Don't take immoral actions against an individual. And you like it's not so much about the outcome. It's about the action you take. So my attitude is kind of like I'm not I, I wouldn't want to sacrifice anybody to to any kind of risk factor. Mm-hmm. But I would also rather I would I also recognize like, OK, there may be risks. You know what I mean? So how about we just make sure everyone is is, is, is as informed as possible? So I say. Each individual, don't get your advice from people like me. You find a good doctor who knows a lot about this. You ask him specific questions to, to, to make sure that everything you're concerned about with your health is covered. And then if they say, you know, here's what you got to do, you, you take their advice. If they prescribe you something, you say, okay, I do it all the time. But they, I think the left gets mad because they're utilitarian. They don't want individuals to be taken care of, I guess. They don't focus on the act against the individual. They don't care. They want the hard numbers for the large group and the percentages of people who get shuffled under or left behind they uh-huh. just don't care about. Well, that, that's that's that, that's a reasonable way, the way that you put it. Um, but the funny thing about what you just said and then also what you said earlier about the panic about all of these lockdowns is that and, – and the fact that they're now closing these restaurant stores in California you know, because somebody got the Delta variant of COVID is that we already knew – based on the vaccine people's own data that you could still get COVID from the vaccine. And then, you you know, the COVID may be less effective, but you could still die. So, you, okay, the a person, vaccine may be less effective. The vaccine may be less effective. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, you know, you, so somebody, you know, got hurt from COVID, from the Delta variant, but that's still within the realm of possible outcomes. It's still an entirely reasonable outcome as, as to what happened. And you shouldn't make a completely panicked, move because of that you know what what, what they're saying now is that well for one they're saying almost Uh all of the cases and deaths are among people who are not vaccinated Mm. and we're still seeing a lot of stories about people who are getting it and are vaccinated but you know i always try to tell people be careful about what the media highlights you know what i mean it's the it's the scaling problem right because there's so much media and there's so many people of course if you give out 360 million doses or something like that 336 
you're going to get a large amount of, of adverse reactions, re- relatively large, you know, depending on what your perspective is. And then news outlets are going to start snatching that up and writing about every single possible one. So it's, it's, it, that's why I'm like, just talk to your doctor because they might be like, look at this chart. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of um, on the media not to panic society huh. because these, these, these shutdowns were really only because we, we didn't want to overload the hospitals in the beginning. And it was only going to mm-hmm. be 15 days just yeah. to make sure we could handle this mass, what we thought would be a mass influx of patients, which turned out, I think, as far as I know, we never really had that mass, dis- you know, hospital overrun some, that we some thought places. we would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some places. There are videos of, of, like, people who go around. They were going around during the height of the pandemic and finding empty hospitals. Huh. But it, I, I think people misunderstood that it was like key areas were, were absolutely overloaded. Now, as for, you know, New York, we know that there were there were some patient issues uh-huh. at hospitals in New York. And so Cuomo decided he would just murder people instead of actually utilizing the Mercy or the Javits Center. So he was warned, mm-hmm. if you put sick people in nursing homes, you'll kill all these old people. And he was like, whatever. <sighs> because if he were to put them in the Mercy or the Javits Center, which were I think the Mercy had like one bed used and the Javits was at 30%. So we, we did set up this great, amazing center. Like, we're really worried about this. And he was like, meh. Did you ever find out why he didn't use the hospitals? I mean, in my opinion, it's because it would have made Trump look really good. Oh. But, but, but here, here's what they're saying. They're saying right now because, um, because people didn't get vaccinated. And this, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure if this makes sense. But this is what they're saying. Because people didn't get vaccinated, then transmissibility uh, was, was still running rampant between people, uh, among people who were not vaccinated, which resulted in mutations which resulted in a more resistant vaccine resistant strain, which uh, somewhat reduces the efficacy of these vaccines. And now you're getting fully vaccinated people who are getting sick with Delta because I think they said it was like 88%. But the thing I, th- I, I doesn't quite make sense. Uh, um, I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure that actually makes sense because YouTube actually has a rule that you cannot say the vaccine prevents COVID. Like that's actually in YouTube's rule book. Huh. So I'm like, well, if, if the vaccine wasn't ever 100%, then people could still get COVID. It could still mutate and still become vaccine resistant. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? You know what? Look, I, I, I can't speak to the science on this one for sure. We had Dr. Chris Martinson on the show. He made his case in the members only podcast, but we did pull up scientific journals, like studies that contradicted even what he was saying. And I'm like, you know, people are going to pick and choose what they trust and what they want to believe. Plus you've got the, the, the censorship of, of communist YouTube to deal with. I honestly have no idea. That's why I'm like, don't don't come to me for advice. But I can't say one thing. When you're ushering people through the border, the Biden administration, mm-hmm. and not doing anything about it, I don't think they're serious at all. I really don't think mm-hmm. they care. I am inclined to agree. And you mentioned earlier about them being utilitarian. Um, but I'm not sure that you can look at the way that those Texas Democrats left the state with zero masks and who are now going back and spreading COVID among their own people. And I don't think that you can look at the border and say that they actually truly care about the good of the whole when they're actively promoting policies that make it possible for, what, 900% increases in COVID cases at the border? That's mm. absolute insanity to me. They don't care. They don't care. So when Mitch McConnell's like, we're going to go back to the way things <laughs> were in 2020, it's like, well, I guess so, because not like anybody in the government has any, any idea what's going on. When we said the 900% increase of border COVID cases, is that like gone from one to nine? Or is that like... No, it's like it was like 14 to 190 something or whatever. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, to be fair, to be fair, that's a good point, Ian. Yeah. Because we did see 188,000 people cross the border this month alone. Yeah, haven't we've already hit a million this year <clears throat> uh, wow. so far. It's only June, and by the end of the year, we're going to have two million. That's so, exciting. So 180,000, you said, crossed the border? 188, I think. And, yeah. and 180 cases out of 188,000 people? Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that's of all of, if that number is, is pertaining to all of the people who came through. Be healthy, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. We got the story from TimCast.com. Oh. Okay. We got to be careful on this one because I don't know if I can read this quote from Joe Biden. It's against YouTube's rules. Ah. I'm going to read it anyway and tell you um, before I do, Joe Biden, the president, is giving medical misinformation. If I were to assert what Joe Biden said, YouTube would delete this video as per YouTube's rules. Joe Biden falsely claims you're not going to get COVID if you have been vaccinated. That is not true. Absolutely not true. We've already seen breakthrough cases. People who are vaccinated getting, getting sick. I think it was, um, was it uh, uh, Bill Maher? Bill Maher, yeah. Yeah, he was vaccinated. Oh, they, yeah. they had to cancel his show. Hmm. Now we have restaurants shutting down. Um, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is, is, is espousing medical misinformation, my friends. Uh, so this, for TimCast.com, we say, I guess we, put we, we say we now because not they. During a town hall on Wednesday night, President Biden claimed that people who have received vaccines will not get COVID-19 after fully vaccinated White House officials have recently been infected with the virus. Oh, uh, yeah. He said, quote, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. That is wrong. Mm. That is wrong. YouTube. See, you heard us. We're, we're saying Joe Biden is incorrect. And Joe Biden, the president and the White House are giving medical misinformation and bad information. We're doing what you want us to do, YouTube censors. Biden's statements come after multiple fully vaccinated Democrat lawmakers and White House officials have become infected with the virus, beginning with the Texas Democrats who fled their state to stop legitimate Democratic processes. The Texas Democrats first met with a Pelosi staffer who became infected. So now I think the latest we saw was like a handful of White House staffers. I don't think the Texas Democrats are going to give any more updates on how many of their delegation yeah, they stopped. Yeah, because it was it was <laughs> like eleven percent of their delegation had already become you know COVID positive, and now you know Joe Biden goes on CNN and he gives this bunk information. I'm wondering if YouTube's going to ban Biden over this. You know, they Twitter banned Trump. I mean, Trump was relentless, and I don't know how much how many tweets did he put out that were wrong. Well, wrong about what? I don't know. Just misinformation, I guess, would you say? Countless, countless, 10, 20, 100, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't following. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this. You look at Twitter and you look at Joe Biden, you look at Trump, and it's just like static. It's like looking at an old TV. I, if you guys are out there listening, don't ban him for this. Don't ban Joe Biden for saying this thing. I mean, he acknowledged that maybe it's wrong. Maybe put a thing on there that. How much, how, how, how long until like, you know, Fauci comes out and actually says, oh, actually, you know, CDC guy, like Joe Biden was right the whole time, apparently. He's not. Don't ban us. <laughs> Joe Biden is wrong. It's the weirdest thing. So there was a, a study from Oxford talking about a particular medication. I won't say because YouTube will ban us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I emailed Google, like, in order to talk about this, do I have to say that Oxford is wrong and the science is wrong? And they were like, just make sure you provide adequate context. And I'm like, I don't believe you. <gasps> like the rules explicitly say that you can't say there's certain treatments for COVID. But Oxford came out with a study saying they may, they may, may. And I'm like, I can't even talk about that. So I, I love, I love the, the sheer absurdity that is YouTube. Back when all of this first started, I did a video about it. It was when everything was going crazy in Wuhan. And it wasn't spreading anywhere else. 
And YouTube actually demonetized that. And they told me, no, you can't talk about this. And I was like, it's news. You know what I mean? It's really weird. And then like a couple weeks later, like, okay, actually, yeah, you can't talk about it. And I was like, okay. So this, this is the problem with censorship that these big tech platforms do. By choosing, you know, to, to, with, like, to ban certain information, it's very likely, because they're not experts, soon that information will actually turn out to be correct or important. And then they've, had ban- they've, they've banned it, and we've got to go back and change it. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where we're at with communist America and, and big tech and YouTube. So I don't know. The information war is upon us. Mm-hmm. I, I used to think that was more of a... More of a an allegory, or is that the right word for it? Uh, I would I would say it was. It sounded like hyperbole when yeah. Alex Jones was first talking about it, but I think it's a good assessment that it is one hundred percent an information war, that fifth generational warfare we're seeing now. I love being able to have a debate about an idea where one person has bad information and the other person is able to correct them, and you can see the process because then other people that have the bad information also get to be part of that process. Right. So that's why I, I'm I'm turned off by you know, censoring things that are wrong or, or I, I, I want to make sure I'm being fair to Joe Biden huh. because it may not be that he's wrong. Okay. It may just be that he doesn't know how to put words together. That is true. Oh right. so, uh, yeah. So in another story, I don't know if you guys watched the town hall. Ugh. This is uh, from the daily mail. They say, quote, the experts say we know that this virus is in fact, uh, um, uh, it's going to be, or excuse me, Biden loses his thoughts on vaccines, flubs answer on his foreign policy work, and falsely tells all town hall, you won't get COVID if you have the shot. That is incorrect. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Can't watch. So I, th- I think the dude just isn't, isn't with it. You know? I think most mm-hmm. people realize that by now. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, obviously we know, you know, we know what Joe Biden's strengths and weaknesses, particularly weaknesses are right now at this advanced age stage of his presidency. I mean, I was always of the belief that Kamala Harris is really running a lot of the show on Joe Biden, especially with regards to his racial policy, his equity policy, everything like that. I mean, say what yeah. you want about Joe Biden being ineffective, but all that does is that makes Kamala Harris and her agenda even more effective. Well, so, so you know, you, your book is about meritocracy. Yeah. And I don't even, I'm, I'm, we're sitting here like, we know that you have this book and talking about this stuff, and I can only assume you probably don't like Joe Biden, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you love the guy, but you hate critical race theory. Well, I mean, I, look, Joe Biden, here's the thing. He, he did something he he was he was the candidate that was able he was the only candidate the democrats could run that was able to win back the trump voters that was able to win back some of the trump voters that that's that that's what i think about joe biden and he did isn't it crazy that's trump so lost white men yeah yeah you know trump won more hispanics more asians more black people than than he did in 2016 you know this supposed racist everything like that won all of these groups m- more effectively the only place that the polls, the exit polls show he lost was white men. <laughs> that was Joe Biden, I guess. What do you think about regarding yeah. meritocracy as you've written a book on it and, and the yeah. fact that we have a government 
or at least uh, the top of our government, the president, where we vote people in based on popularity, not necessarily merit. Uh-huh. Uh, and w- so I want to know. Well, what there's you, merit what in th- there, isn't there? Not necessarily. You can have some dumb idiot that everyone loves that becomes president and doesn't have any idea what they're doing because he's the most popular. Well, that's well the thing is that's what some people think about Trump. Mm. They think he's just a dumb idiot, but I think he has genuine merit. He is probably the most effective marketing salesperson that we have, you know, that I've ever seen in my lifetime on the campaign trail. You're saying that he is the the greatest president of all time. I'm saying he's the greatest marketing strategist of all time. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think there's something we could do better with our government so that we could get more merit at the top? Well, you know, they they. Here's the thing about our political system, and, and, this, and, the, and this this correlates kind of with meritocracy. Um, I, I take different definitions of merit. So I don't think that the person who wins the president should be the person with the most degrees or the person who's supposedly done the most for our country or whatever. The person has to really connect with the people. And I think that our system, our political system, flawed as it is, still gives the people the ability to, to make judgments on themselves, uh, you know, to choose the president. And I think that, that that's worth preserving. So you think that the president's main job is to connect with the people, not so much to be the best or at any one thing? But... Right. I mean, the, I mean, the president originally functioned, he has a cabinet, and that's where he brings in all of the best people right. and everything like that. That's his choice, but he has to be able to connect. He's the executive, right? The executive isn't necessarily the smartest person in the room. The executive is the person who can connect all of the dots and, and form it into a larger vision. That's what Trump did probably most effectively. He was able to create that vision, make America great again, keep America great, 2016, that 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 you resonated with a segment of the populace that the Republican Party had historically not been able to resonate with. Well, so the, I think that is meritorious. That's very meritorious. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know? uh, the one problem was that, you know, merit can go into a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. Was Trump able to rally people and, and win an election? Yep. Does it show merit? Of course. Less, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton had less. She lost. However, when it came to actually administrating, Trump didn't have it. Hmm. And that's why he ended up, for uh, for a variety of reasons, I'll say, one of the reasons, he ended up uh, not winning a re-election. Though we'll see what happens next once people realize that Biden was actually the worst choice. But um, one of the problems was the people he surrounded himself with. Mark Milley, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this is a guy that Trump should have gotten rid of a long time ago. Uh, Dr. Fauci. Mm. Trump didn't have he, he should have fired these people. John Bolton. Right. Wasn't a, oh man, he hired gosh. the guy. He still showed his political neophyte instincts when he chose Rex Tillerson as his Secretary of State. I mean, they obviously could not connect from the very start. He started to be a little better towards the end in terms of his administrative picks. Um, but you could tell at the very beginning he was he was he was too hewn to the Republican Party and their instincts instead of being able to go with what his vision was. And that harmed him because he only has four years. He only have four years as president. That's nothing. Yeah. That's no time at all. She over here does not have four years. <laughs> Xi Jinping does not have four years. He has 30 years to do whatever he wants and remake China's own in his own. Is vision. that how long He's it lasts? That. 30 years? No, I mean, until you you get deposed or you die or you retire. Oh, they get elected for life. You don't get elected for life, or but you can you can extend your supposed constitutional uh-huh. authority however long you really want to. Are they appointed by the party? They are, yes. And it's like a, a group of people at the top of the party decide. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. That that that's yeah. This is that's a t- it's a totally different system in China than it is in the U.S. We we do have some good news though. 
Oh. I mean, it's kind of good news. It's actually kind of <laughs> bad news, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Here's what there's, you know, a door closes and a window opens. We got the story from TimCast.com. White House spins. Department of Education blames random error for document promoting critical race theory this fall. And we also saw Jen Psaki challenged on this. So the original story was that the Biden administration's guidelines for schools reopening this fall is backing a radical group's literature that promotes anti-racism training in public classrooms across the country. Now, we've got to break down that word anti-racism, mm. because if you are unlearned, you may just assume these code words, these dog whistles, just mean what it means on the surface. No, anti-racism, according to Ibram X. Kendi, is racial discrimination. I, I, quite literally, you think it's anti-racism, like people aren't going to be racist. No, no, no. He wants them to discriminate on the basis of race. The, what he's saying is that, like, he let's put it this way. If racism is negative, is, is plus one, and not being racist is zero, anti-racism is negative one. Yes. It is, it, is, it is a value in mirror image to racism that serves the same function, but for a somewhat different ideology. That being what he claims is, if we are anti-racist, meaning we actually implement the exact same policies of the past, but we do it, it'll be better this time. And that just, as far as I'm concerned, it's just literally racism. So the good news, I suppose, is that the Biden admin has backtracked after sparking a uh, major backlash on social media regarding critical race theory, blaming a random error for a government guide that promoted a far left group and their agenda. We have this from the Daily Mail. Jen Psaki claims it was an error to promote the group that urges teachers to disrupt whiteness and oppression after Republicans accuse the Biden admin of flip-flopping. Now, this is good news. Apparently, the Democrats are starting to get scared of wokeness. There was a story in Axios. We saw the victory of Eric Adams in New York City. They're worried they're going to lose the midterms because get woke, go broke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you bring up Eric Adams because he was in New York City. You would think, oh, um, there, were, there were a couple of really woke candidates. Maya Wiley was a, was a big woke mm-hmm. candidate in New York City. And you would think, oh, the the black Americans and, and the Hispanic Americans would vote for the woke candidate. They didn't. They voted for the candidate Eric Adams, who promised uh, more police, not less police. He promised public safety. He said, "I'm going to make crime my number one issue. I'm going to make education my my second best biggest issue because the New York public system is so poor, and it's not because of funding. It's not because of what the teachers' unions say, which is, oh, we need more resources. Did you know that New York City funds uh, funds students twenty eight thousand dollars a year. Twenty eight. They spend twenty eight thousand dollars a year per student, which is the highest in the nation. So it's not about funding, but uh, Eric Adams, you know, said, "Hey, look, it, we need to restore the culture of these schools." So they actually voted uh, for, in my opinion, the candidate that that um, did that that represented, you know, the least excesses of wokeness. Fortunately, yeah. I love it. And I'm not surprised. I mean, we saw what happened in South Texas. We saw what happened in, in Miami. You know, of course, that mm-hmm. was likely, you know, Hispanic individuals with experience with communism and Marxism. But uh, the other day, we had uh, Ricardo and Jose Lamasan. And Jose, he's, he's, a, he's an older gentleman. He actually was in the anti-Fidel Castro underground in Cuba. And he said, he said some scary stuff. Oh. He said that if Black Lives Matter gets real power, they're going to kill people. He said that these people are Marxist, they're, they're enemies from within, they're scary. And I'm like, man, this is a guy who had to flee Cuba because of what happened. Now, that is freaky. The difference between Cuba and, and the United States, however, is that we got several hundred million people here. 
Right now, mm-hmm. we got what, like a you know, 170 or so million active voters. Mm-hmm. So these are a lot of people that I don't think would allow the the, the as you described it, the excesses of wokeism to become too pervasive. Now, what does it mean to be too pervasive? Well, let's be fair; it's pervasive. It's in institutions. It's in video games. But I think people are starting to recoil from this. That's why Joe Biden, the, the administration, had to backtrack. They're getting worried. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping they realize they are poisoning their party with this stuff. I hope they're realizing they will lose elections unless they get away from this. But I also have to add, they're never getting my vote back anyway. Mm. They've crossed, they crossed the, the Rubicon, as it were. <laughs> they went nuts, like hardcore insane. And now they want to come back and be like, oh, no, no, no. yeah, nice try, dude. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game with these people. You look at you look at New York. You look what people wanted. They wanted the ex cop, Eric Adams, I right? Love right. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny because during the campaign, if you remember Biden during the 2020 campaign, Biden was pressured to say defund the police, and he he did not say defund the police. And I I'm convinced that if he went and crossed that line and he said, yeah, we're going to go defund the police, I'm probably I'm convinced that you know even more Trump voters. You know, even even, you know, the voters that he supposedly won back from Trump would have stayed with Trump. Um, yeah, this, it would have been would have been the, the it would be, it would be over. Right, right, right. But now, unfortunately, you can see you can see, of course, promises were made. Promises were not kept. Um, <laughs> Biden, you know, is growing old. He's grown senile. He's letting Kamala Harris take over more of his administration. What promises were not kept? Well, uh this this idea of of Biden saying that he claims to be the unifier, mm. the unifying candidate, I will unify America. Instead, he's pushing divisive race ideology. It's not even that. He he said we he was basically he, he basically was talking about the divide in this country and how bad it is. First of all, he launched his campaign on a lie, Charlottesville. Yep. The the the, the very fine people hoax. He just absolutely rammed that lie on people's throat because he's a scumbag. And now he says, you know, we, we need we need to unify, you know, we need to come together. And it's like, dude just went on and gave a speech where he said the Republicans voting legislation is the greatest threat since the Civil War. You want to talk about bombastic and divisive language? Sure, we can talk about critical race theory. How about the president of the United States coming up and saying the Republican agenda is a bigger threat to the Confederacy? That's, he, that's yeah. what he literally said. Dude's lost his mind. Yeah. The, the central banking system's more of a threat. Fiat currency, the $28 trillion in, in national debt, the mm-hmm. runaway inflation. Well, He's claiming it's not runaway. It's like kind right. of like, to, what, what was his exact words? Did any of you guys remember off the top of your head? He was like, it's okay. It's just inflation. It's going to get back to normal. He said something like, this will not increase inflation. He said that, I think, three times in a row because he's super with it, as we all know. Um, but I was like, there's no way that you can look at this and say that inflation is not coming. In fact, Janet Yellen has even said, yeah, we expect some form of inflation. Look, that, look, we can survive inflation. We, we can we can make it past our milk costing more money. And that, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got no solutions. He's mocking these business owners. Like he, I, I believe he's essentially mocking them. But I'll tell you, we, we can get through that and we can argue about it. Combine that. Combine a massive escalation in the cost of food. With Joe Biden saying the Republican agenda is the greatest threat since the Civil War, this guy is flicking matches at a powder keg. We talked about last night with Jose Lamas about uh, the Cuban Revolution, mm-hmm. how Castro betrayed right. the revolution and essentially took it, uh, didn't didn't install their 
their democracy. And I asked him, what, what could we have done differently? Or what could they have done differently in 1960 that would have prevented? And he said, not to, to be more patient, not to take, not to revolt against Batista. Cause what they thought was Batista was running for election again and they thought it was going to be rigged. So they right. were like, they had a preemptive revolution to get this guy out of office before he could. So this, I could see something like that happening in this country with all this divisiveness, people thinking there's election issues, that people would act impatiently. And I think it's, it's up to us to stay, you know, calm. Even if the system seems flawed, that we, you know, remain and work within the system. You see, you see, Joe Biden said the other day as well that he wants to. He's working to ban any weapon with the ability to take multiple rounds. Yeah. Wow. Huh. He basically, let's be real. He was not very articulate, <gasps> but he wanted to say weapons that can take multiple rounds, like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred and twenty. You don't need them, and I'm working hard to ban them. And now I know a lot of people on the left are going to try and play this game. I should. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna walk that back. I know a lot of the establishment Democrats, because mm. leftists actually like guns, are going to play this game where they're like, oh, he didn't mean banning every gun. Oh, he meant this. I don't care what you think he meant, because y'all can't read his mind. He said it. Yeah. So if you're talking about a weapon that can take a detachable magazine, then you can have a, v- a variety of magazines of sizes. That's what he's talking about. The, the Democrats have long said they wanted to ban semi-automatic weapons. Why should I believe Biden meant something else? You so have to take him at his word. I bring that up yeah. because one of the other things that Jose mentioned about Cuba was that Fidel Castro came out and said the famous question, guns, for what? And everyone was like, yeah, for what? And then they threw all their guns into a pile and then the communists took over and they got to live under a boot for the next several generations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, the funny thing is, you know, you go to China and China, of course, the Communist Party um has a has a huge monopoly over the arms over arms and everything like that and not only do they have a monopoly of arms they have increased their monopoly to surveillance and now they can surveil you you know for for whatever thing so now they control the arms and they control you know your actions they can control your thoughts you know and they can incentivize you based on your thoughts this is the whole idea of like a social currency they have a social currency system in China now mm-hmm. and it's like this is the direction that we are progressing as a country and people think oh it's just guns it's not a big deal you know we just you know that kind of thing that's what progressives think but you realize that guns is the linchpin it's the physical linchpin that is able to defend all of the rest of the rights that we hold so dear this, this is what the these uh, uh these establishment dems don't understand right these establishment voters these default libs they're like you know joe biden says you're gonna need an f-15 and nukes to go up against the government that's not true there's a reason why we don't have to a certain degree, jackboot Biden thugs kicking doors in and dragging people out by their hair, especially over COVID and lockdowns. But you do see things like that in Australia and New Zealand and Canada and the UK. There's a reason uh, why it's a little better here. It's not perfect. We absolutely do have cops who kick your door in and then, you know, arrest you or just shoot you. But the thing is, the fact that so many Americans have guns makes it extremely difficult to violate human rights mm. because you never know if you're going to encounter someone who's going to be able to defend themselves. It equalizes a little bit of the power between the government and the individual so that they have to go through the proper motions. It's not hard for a government to oppress you using bureaucracy. It's actually very <sighs> easy. However, gun ownership protects you a little bit. And in the, in the, in the long run, if done properly, can protect a nation forever. So long as you don't end up with people saying the stupid question, guns for what? Which is what they're doing over and over and over. What do you need a gun for? What do you need a gun for? And I'm like, none of your business. Who cares? I don't need to give you an answer. 
I, I think the founding fathers kind of put uh, the Second Amendment into place because they expected the government to grow and grow and grow, as governments do. Like, they would mm-hmm. talk about, we're not a bunch of men governed by angels, we're men governed by men. They understood the shortcomings, and they're like, okay, the government's going to grow. We need to kind of put citizens on a slightly more even playing field. And that was unique. Like, you didn't see right. that in Cuba when this is going on. You didn't see that in Mao's China. This is something that we need to pay attention to. This is not something that we can afford to lose. Mm-hmm. So, so... I don't want to say this is pessimistic. A lot of people seem to think that when I talk about escalation in a conflict, it's pessimism. And I'm like, don't don't take it to a dark place. It's realism. Right. Take a look at the story from the Daily Mail. Exclusive. Do you want to pay $50 for a hamburger, Joe? Furious restaurant owners vent at Biden for telling them to raise wages, what they say will lead to more inflation and drive them all out of business. This story, what does that have to do with what I just said? Food costs. Oh, yeah. Are the are typically the number one indicator of when a revolution happens or some kind of major revolt. So if Joe Biden and the White House administration are giving everybody fifteen, sixteen bucks an hour not to work, restaurants are shutting down. Taco Bell food shortage. Ooh. Wendy's, I think. Uh, chicken food is a ch- shortage on chicken, and I think there may be on beef. There's a labor shortage across the board because of the unemployment. Food costs go up. So this guy asked Joe Biden you know, hey, what do we do? We can't hire people. And he goes, that's your problem. Pay more. What? So think about, and we've mentioned this a lot, but think about if someone's getting 16 bucks an hour to not work, why would they accept 16 bucks an hour to work? You're basically offering them $0 for 40 hours a week. Right, right. And I had a, I had a friend, you know, um, in Virginia, my old friend, he's where he works as a bartender and he comes back to me and he, and we were just catching up and he's, and I'm like, so how's it going at work? And he's like, it's great. I'm like the only bartender here. I'm getting all the tips. I'm like, well, that's great for you. <laughs> but what happened to all the rest of them? They like, and he said, well, guess what? They just never came back. They just never came back. And and the owner is completely reliant upon me to do all of the bartending. That's a bad sign for a restaurant. Wow. I've been in that yeah. position before. The restaurant went out of business. Yeah, yeah. and that's where we're headed. So right. what do you what do you, where do where does it feel like this is all going? <clears throat> there there are these memes, man. It is so hard to live in a functioning society when you have young, idealistic individuals with with arrogance, but ignorance. So there's this there's this viral uh, tweet that keeps getting reposted by young people on Reddit because they just don't know what they're talking about. And it's it's like this tweet goes. So uh, so so we're, if we raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars, you're mad that everyone's getting paid the same as you. Then then go to your boss and tell them you want to raise or you can go work an easier job for more money. And if you can't figure that, that out, you need to reassess your critical thinking skills. And I just like facepalm so hard, I nearly break my nose because I'm like, first of all, whoever said fast food was an easier job than working where you were at? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The, the assumption that the job's going to be easier. No, it's probably worse. It's a low skilled job. But anyway, I, regardless, if you go to your boss and say, hey, I can go get that job for 15 bucks an hour. And it's easier. Give me more money. Okay, then the cost of goods at your business goes up to accommodate the rise in labor costs. Now, the guy who flips the burgers realizes that he can't get your service anymore because it's too expensive. It normalizes. Regardless of what artificial numbers you put in place, it won't change anything other than to drive up inflation. Inflation can move very, very quickly in the short term, but people's salaries are much harder to move. And And the hardest thing is rent. And that is, I think, the, 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 the breaking point for the system. Rent. Why? Rent is locked. Building management is not. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. 
Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So let's think about it this way. This guy says, you got to pay me more. Otherwise, I'm going to go, I'm going to quit. And so the guy says, okay, I'll pay you more. Let's say that guy is a building manager. He's the, or the soup, the superintendent, the guy who makes sure the, the pipes are working and repairs things. He's getting paid, you know, he's in New York City, gets paid 50K or whatever. He manages his big building. Well, now his cheeseburgers cost $30 because they're paying all the, the, the employees 20 bucks an hour, 25 bucks an hour to accommodate, to, 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 to beat in competition the government's free money. So now he goes to, he goes to the, the, the building owner and says, if you want me to maintain this building, I need a massive raise. Because if these people are getting 12 bucks an hour, now they're getting 20. I mean, that's, that's nearly a 50% raise. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I want 75K a year. The landlord says, there is no way I can afford to pay you that because I don't make that much in rent from this building. And then he says, then I will quit. If he quits, then who maintains the building? Nobody will. Do you think the people who are there who are talking about how the rent is too high are going to be able to pay to fix the pipes? What if the pipe bursts in the hallway, which is a communal space? Who's the responsible, who's responsible for it? So maybe the landlord says, okay, then I'll have to raise rent. Yes, when the leases are up, because you can't just go to the individuals and say, hey, I'm jacking your rent up. So that's where there's a hard stop. The building managers, the maintenance, the repairs will immediately need more money. But the landlord can't get it. And some states have rent control. I think oh, California yeah. does where you can only raise the rent like 3% annually. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, so what they'll do is they'll try and get you to move out so that they can then re-rent the place for like 10 times or twice the cost. Literally. The, the, the end result of this will be people becoming homeless. Because either the, the landlord says, I'm done with the building. I can't afford to pay it. I'm selling it. Yes. And, and then, then it goes you have to move out. If they sell it, they'll. Pay. And it goes to BlackRock to oh, somebody yeah. who says, we can eat these costs. Or they say, everybody get out. I don't care. Or they say, I'll turn it over to you. you, you they become slumlords, unable to afford the, 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 the short term inflation hits them, but rent can't change. So they can't, they can't make that money up that quickly. I had a place in LA that I was renting and the owner sold it. And then, so they gave me notice. They're like, you have to move out. We sold it. So here, we're going to pay you to move out. Oh, they wow. paid me like a month, two months rent or something to move out. But I had to move out. Wasn't wow. anticipated. Here's the problem. Let's say you live in this building and the landlord says, we're going to pay you to move out. You go up on Craigslist or whatever website you use, Zillow. And you notice all of a sudden, like you were paying, you know, $2,000 a month for your, for your apartment in New York and you got to leave. All the apartments now are three grand yep. because any listed apartment, of course, will be raised to accommodate for maintenance costs. And then right. you're out, you're homeless or you move out of the cities, move somewhere cheaper and then probably encounter the same problem. Or maybe you just say, I give up. 
Give me the free money from the government, and I'm going to go live in a van down by the river. Mm. Yeah, and this is so. I mean, this is so interesting because you know everybody talks about oh, it's it's just inflation. Jobs are going to increase, but what happens with inflation is exactly like you say. Um, the fixed costs that not the fixed costs, the costs that are unable to be leased up um, within a certain period because of contractual obligations tend to fold. Things tend to go bankrupt and people get homeless. This is how you cause a lot of social problem with just a very small, small shift in, in, in the, in the economic atmosphere. And this is like, this is what happened with the great recession, right? I mean, with the great recession, you had a mm-hmm. default rate that rose somewhat significantly in the home ownership uh, because people were not able to pay back their mortgages. And because of that small shift in mortgage rates, there were so many financiers who were, who bet on um, low default rates and they were not able to get the returns that they want. And that caused a massive gradated shift across the economy that eventually resulted in the great recession. So these little things make big differences. Yeah. Uh, I guess long story short, I think, uh, they're doing it on purpose, you know? If, I, if, if someone came to me and they laid these pieces out in front of me and said, take a look at these puzzle pieces, what picture do you see? And I'm like, Joe Biden purposefully tanking the economy to trigger some kind of mass unrest? Huh. There's the, you know, because I, 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 I was talking to Allison earlier, and I was like, after, after seeing the news about them opening up the border gate and just letting people walk through, and the COVID rates are rising among them, 40 border patrol agents getting COVID, regardless of whether or not there's a because we, we mentioned 188,000, but how many people actually had COVID and how they based on that ratio. Regardless of that, they're saying without mass vaccination, then we have to lock down. Okay, but you just let in 188,000 people and you didn't test them or vaccinate them. Yeah. So how are we supposed to increase that ratio when you're pumping the numbers back down? I said there is no way the Biden administration is so dumb that they're seeing that and simultaneously seeing vaccination rates and going. Oh, uh, uh, this is fine. This works. No, they, they like, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I, as some random individual, know more than they do. I, 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 look, Joe Biden, we can claim, is just sitting there like a Muppet, dumb as a box of rocks, and Kamala's doing it, but he's got a cabinet. And certainly these people are like, oh, look at that, a, a million people this year. How are we supposed to track for that? How are we supposed to avoid lockdowns and restrictions if they're just opening the gates and letting people come through? They have to see that, right? Like they realize the the, the the paradox in what they're asking for. They unfortunately don't have they they have to see it. They don't have to understand it or recognize it. Yeah, That's but, the but, problem. What, with come on, cognitive do you, dissonance. Do you, do you really think that these people in government are like? I don't understand why this is a problem. I think a lot of the people are. They know full well the Federal Reserve is out of control and that the economy is going to crash as if it keeps inflating. So they're just hitting the gas and they're like in behind closed doors. They're like calculating the the losses that we're going to see. A lot of people are going to be this. A lot of people are going to be that. They're just accepting it behind closed doors. Yeah. And just like the Great Depression telling us everything's fine. I think you're right. To go back to what you were saying about the Great Recession, Kenny, with um, you know, all the problems it led to, uh-huh. I don't think we've ever escaped the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. I think the Titanic hit the iceberg and it's just a long and slow split. Because if you look at the money stock, the M1 money stock, you can actually see that everything's like very, very stable in terms of growth until 2008. It goes up sharply. Mm-hmm. And then 2020, it's sky, it spikes. Yeah. And they're like, but we, but we changed the way we calculate this. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, see what happened was because of COVID, they said you can now use your savings accounts like checking accounts, which it put all of a sudden the savings uh, money and savings accounts 
accounts into the general money supply, yep. causing a right. massive spike. So right. it looks – I think that's that, – that big spike we saw is the Titanic splitting. And now it's going to go down. And Ian, you are correct. I agree with you because I think what they're doing – I think they know. That's my point. They're watching. They know. But they're the people who are trying to steal as much of much of the fine china and silverware before the ship goes down. They're grabbing as much as they can. So imagine being on this boat and then you hear a big rumble and you're like, what was that? And then you see these super rich people just frantically carrying silverware and running full speed towards the lifeboats. And you're just like, I wonder why they're doing that. Huh. At least we're not being locked in our rooms with the doors welded shut. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, to, to be fair, people in cities technically... Stay-at-home orders all last year. Now the threats of more lockdowns. Regarding bringing meritocracy into the economy, because like I was saying at the beginning Uh of the show, Jordan Peterson mentions, you see it throughout throughout culture, except in economy, because ultimately wealthy people transfer wealth to kids that aren't necessarily intelligent or, or valuable, but they're super... I think or that valuable, yeah, valuable to society is what I mean. They're more of a drain <laughs> than a than a plus. But what I I think we can do is create a system where everyone can have their own cryptocurrency. I've talked about this before, and then you can, if you want to, like subscribe to my channel for ten bucks a month, cool. But if you want to pay me an Ian coin, I'll give you a ten percent discount. So I generate desire for my token, and so we've created almost like a meritocratic economy where there's uh-huh. all these different currencies, and the, the the valuable ones are the ones that give you the most utility. Right, right. That, Maybe. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think crypto is interesting. Um, there was a huge crypto revolution 2017, 2018. Everybody thought all of their cryptocurrencies were going to go and be great. But actually, Pareto rule, only one or two of them really yeah. ended up skyrocketing. It was Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, but if you bought Dogecoin back when it came out, uh, <laughs> man, you huh. got rich. Mm-hmm. There's like one dude who's a millionaire now of Dogecoin. I'm not too worried about the actual dollar value because in a system like that, there uh-huh. would be no like central currency that everything's like valued at. It would just they would all have value right. based on the individual. Well, this, I mean, the, the reason why we have a single currency money economy is to to, eat, to facilitate transactions, just to make it a lot easier. Wouldn't it be easier for the world if everyone had a one world currency? Yeah, that sounds like globalization. Yeah, why wouldn't it happen? Look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin's used by everybody around the world. It's true. So I don't know if Bitcoin will ever be hard currency, but we're certainly moving towards a future where some crypto will be. And maybe that's kind of the point. Maybe the Titanic hit that in 2008. When did Bitcoin come out, Ian? 2008. 2009? 2009, right, oh. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. somebody saw it and was like, mm, we need, we need, some. I mean, look, I'm not saying conspiracy. I'm saying the crisis happens and this Satoshi dude or whoever, whether it's a multiple people or not, was like, that's a problem. We need sound currency. Bitcoin. Boom. So now what happens? It's just dominoes falling over, man. We start seeing economic crisis, economic collapse. The government is full of a bunch of Benny Hill type stooge cops running around with their holding their hats frantically trying to figure out what's going on. And it's all melting down. And then in the end, what happens? Everybody in the world uses one thing, Bitcoin, or like some a, crypto. We're in a position now as the United States where we have the power. It's kind of like George Washington when he was president. He had the power. They wanted him to become a king. They want yeah. the United States to stay the power. But like we have a responsibility, just as Washington did, to give that power away, to step down. Mm-hmm. And I think now we're in the position to create a world economy that, with all these different types of currencies that intermingle and inter- intercorrelate. Yeah, you know what, man? Uh, I, I would love for there to be... Some kind of system, global system, that defends freedom, protects uh, sovereign uh, borders, 
but still allows us to avoid war and function in a unified manner in a certain sense. Wait, hold on. Global system yeah. that protects freedom. Mm-hmm. What what kind? How could a system which is by nature organized and therefore has to suppress some freedom or to gain organization also protect freedom? Like a bill of rights, uh, a, a system based around a core of ideologies that says, in order to violate a person's rights, there must there must be due process. So we have organized a system in the U.S. Not perfect, but pretty good. Now there's a lot of places in the world that don't have that. I'm not suggesting we go with force and kick their doors in and then staple constitutions to their walls, but it would be awesome if whatever ends up happening with mass communications, we don't end up with a Chinese communist style overarching global authority. Uh We end up with a classically liberal. We respect if you live in the United States, then you are allowed to set the laws for the United States. However, no war, international agreements on not having war, not stealing resources. Mm -hmm. You know, there's got to be something. Um, I'll tell you this. There's that famous quote that uh, I think it was um, from one of the Rothschilds. I'm not entirely sure. You would probably know where he said that it's not it's not uh, it's not that uh, what do you say? Globalization will happen whether anybody wants it to or not or something like that. And a lot of people I know, a lot of libertarians and ANCAPs think he was, you know, twirling his mustache going globalization will happen. (laughs) When in reality, he was saying, like, the way the world is going with communications and trade, Mm. we will eventually have a one world government. The, the goal, I suppose, is the United States and those who live in it should be able to have their rights respected within their own borders. They should have their constitutional freedoms and rights. They shouldn't be banned or censored or shut down. But there could be an international agreements on what happens in the event of conflict, of war, of, of territorial disputes. So we can get to that point. We can have a system. We already do have a system by which we have an international currency. It's called Visa and MasterCard. I can go to any country in the world with my card and swipe and buy what I want. Yeah, it's the, so easy. The SWIFT payment system. That the global you know, swift payment system. Because I'll tell you, man, I've been watching a lot of Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. And you know one of the biggest problems is that was and, – and I'm not talking about the fiction of the show. I'm talking about the writers perceive when they're making the show. Right. Is that when they encounter other worlds and try to negotiate, they say, you can't negotiate on the behalf of your people. You Like, if we give you weapons or u- utility, you'll go to war and you'll destroy yourselves. Mm-hmm. So we need to have some kind of we – to, we need to have a way to prevent World War Three or whatever. Now, of course – there are powerful global interests, elites, who desperately want a one-world authority. The only problem is they're crackpot authoritarians huh. who would burn your life to the ground, and, sac- and, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't care about you as an individual. They care about the numbers, the utilitarianism. That's a nightmarish world to live in. That's what the Chinese Communist Party does. So I'm saying we don't want that. Okay, but let, let me give you a different perspective. You know, our founding fathers were authoritarians. Because they were authoritarians. Well, this here, this is what I mean. I mean that we gave them authoritarian power to write our constitution. Like at one point in time in the U.S. history, we had an authoritarian government because those people were the ones who eventually came together and then they created the constitutional system that now protects freedom. But in order to do that, we had to trust them with the ability to to make a constitution and a bill of rights and then to actually execute on that, at least for the first few years. But they years. didn't just take, they didn't, they didn't just write a constitution and staple it to a wall and say, this is what you have to deal with. It was actually extremely difficult. In order to actually get the constitution, they were going to states and negotiating and the states were like, bug off. We don't care. We don't want this. And it was actually very, very difficult. It took, I think, over like 15 or 20 years to finally get states to actually vote for and sign on to the constitutional system. It, it did. It did. But we still 
trusted them to make the to make the initial creative effort. Now we had the ability to to provide a backlash against that, but again, you know, we had George Washington could have been king. Yeah. Like he could have been right. a president. So he had to have the he had to actually step down and say, "Okay, I'm not actually going to do that." Other people you know, well, that just shows we didn't have the authoritarian rule. Right, and and that system was still being developed at that time, and there were people who exercised sort of authoritarian influence, like in Marbury versus Madison. Judicial branch was not granted the ability for judicial review at the time. They gave themselves the ability for judicial review in right. Marbury versus Madison. So they kind of had a little bit of a, we're going to get some power. Nobody gave them the ability to do that, but they did. So, but is that is that a, is that is are, are some instances of of authority being exercised in bad ways indicative of the entire system being authoritarian at some point? I would say yes. You have totalitarian authoritarians, which are very dangerous. Where like the author of the the Constitution is the authoritarian. I mean, it's the exact same word, authoritarian. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's the root of the word authoritarian is author. And they, right, right, right. They but your authoritarian is a system dis- d- defined by an authority that can, that commands on down versus liberty, a liberty-based system, a weaker centralized power structure. I think there's never uh, – it's never all or none. You always have aspects of authority within any given system, right, a family a unit, a government, so a democratic – if you go all the way to the top of the political compass to authoritarian, you've got a guy who's beating the peasants to death and – Holding people at gunpoint to steal yes. their stuff. Uh, uh, excessive authoritarian. If you go, if you go well, that, that, that's that's the that's the, the epitome of authoritarian. If you go all the way to the bottom, you get anarchy, and it's where either you have free trade anarchy, where it's you know ancaps, or you have anarcho syndicalism or communism, where people are sitting around and basking in the glories of their labor, which is <laughs> utopian to be completely and that's honest. That's like a lack of authority or a tribe. The easiest, the easiest way, right? Anarchy means without authority. So if you go all the way to the bottom with anarchy. You can literally have a small tribe of people who agree to share things and don't really ever think about money. Or you can have free market capitalists that are just like, hey, the market dictates. So just because somebody says, I should have the ability to, like, you know, there's somebody who says, I'm writing this constitution and this is what I think we should do. Doesn't mean the system is authoritarian. They're like, so we, we can either, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a gradient. Okay, you but, could be 60% yeah. libertarian with 40% authoritarian. Right. You can be, you know, any, any, any number. Well, you know what Thomas Hobbes says about that. What does he say? I mean, he says, he says the function of a government is to hold people at gunpoint. They have the, the function of government has the power to hold somebody at gunpoint and demand things from them. You know, that he said, even basically, even we have this, he would say, you know, we have this veneer of liberalism right now where we give the people the illusion, the ability that they have, you know, rights and sincere voting power. But really, you know, who has the ability to coerce you? It's the government. Yeah, it, the, um, it's 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 true, but it's, so in that sense, it's authoritarian. Just, just because I mean. there are rules doesn't mean we're an authoritarian government. Because right. the, the one thing about the United States is, and this is a lesson conservatives should have learned a while ago: you're allowed to speak for the most part and use that ability to build culture. Now there are confines in the Overton window, but because many people on the right weren't actively building culture, they were chasing after it, yeah. constantly defending from what the left wanted. The left owns the narrative. In the United States, we, we, we have an authoritarian culture that is taking over. We still have some libertarian aspects within it. And if we don't stop the authoritarian encroachment, it goes into government, which it is with what Joe Biden is doing. And this, this, this is something I was talking about four or five years ago. And, and now here we are where we're dangerously close to the government absorbing authoritarian cultural aspects and the people who oppose it being too fractured to do anything about it. What, what I mean to say is for the longest time, the United States was not authoritarian in that you could absolutely have your, you know, crackpot free speech group going around saying crazy things. 
and right. even have the ACLU defend you as you marched through Skokie, Illinois, with saying saying horribly anti-Semitic things. But that was because we authoritatively decided you could do that by saying, if you're going to stop them from doing that, we're going to keep we're going to arrest you. So they have freedom. That's author. That's the authoritarian aspect of our. But government. You misunderstand what authoritarian means. You think right? so? Yeah, a cop who says I can't arrest a guy for speaking is not an authoritarian. A, guy, a cop who says I can arrest you if you try to physically harm that person is still not an authoritarian. Oh, I think they are authoritarian. I mean, police by nature are authoritarian. They are the author of law. Yeah, or they're at least the, the I, arm of the author. They're an authority. Right. I think you misunderstand authoritarian, uh, which is yeah. a government system of a top-down authority and centralized. Then I powers. would I would argue that saying that a government saying the big A authoritarian is a misnomer. That you really can't. Say a government Ian, just is confusing, or is it? You're always authority. Gonna, it's always a gradient of authority well, yes. within a government. So you're confusing the word authority with authoritarian. So, so the police are constrained by the public in many, many ways. Now the cops, cops can do bad things. Right. They can, they can seize your guns and smile with a smile on their face when they do it. They will kick grandma in the teeth to enforce these lockdowns. So we're entering that period. That's what I'm saying. We are entering an authoritarian government because the, it starts with the culture and moves in, and nothing was done to stop but it. But in the 60s, however. Oh, we had civil rights where they and they won. They integrated the schools with authoritarianism. They went in with guns in their arms and said, "We're now this sits, this school is now integrated." But that wasn't because a king or a, a centralized command structure made it so. It was the, the it president. Was, the president? Issued yeah, it. it was yes, and it was because of mandate from the public. Oh. True. Yeah, and we so, are our own author in that system. So you're confusing yeah. authoritarian. Well, maybe maybe it's the totalitarian, which is the extreme authoritarianism is actually totalitarianism. If you've got a house with 10 people in it and six people demand pepperoni, you know, on their pizza and four demand uh, pineapple. pineapple. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Is it authoritarian when the six people are like, we're ordering pepperoni? No, it's, it's, it's a democratic vote. Now, democracy can be tyranny, tyranny of the majority, but there's a big difference between a centralized hierarchical command structure of authority that dictates everyone has to do something and no one can do anything about it, and a group of people coming out, voicing their opinion, and the system changing in response to the will right. of the people. Right. When you have one person issuing the authority, it's very dangerous, but when you have a group able to do it, it's called democracy. So, so to, to, to clarify, too, there can be cult authoritarianism, for sure. Everybody marching to dogma and just reacting in a certain way, and that's Black Lives Matter. And, and, and critical race theory and critical race applied principles. But when that goes into government, you end up with dictatorial presidents screaming at the top of their lungs, threatening people and using those powers against their perceived enemies. And that's when your government becomes authoritarian. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. I'm so still, let's, I want to go back to your pizza example for a second. I, th- I think it's interesting. So the group decides, uh, so six people. There are 10 people, six people design pepperoni, four people decide on pineapple, but someone still has to make the call to Domino's and say, okay, we're getting pepperoni pizza. Yep. Now that person may say, I have the mandate to call Domino's uh, because we have the majority who said they want pepperoni, so I'm going to call pepperoni. But what if somebody on the pineapple side was like, well, no, you don't have the mandate because we want to make it unanimous. And you're like, well, no, I think it's majority rule. And then at that point, it's a, it's actually, I could see it be the person who is who's, who calls the pepperoni is just actually just asserting his power over did the other you, ten people. Did you agree to the rules? 
I don't know. Did they? Yes. I mean, we've long had uh, a structure in place of like, here's how we'll have the vote. Here, here, good sir, and we shake hands. These are the rules for the game in terms of how we make decisions. Then four people start screaming, it's not fair, it's not fair. It's what you get with 2016. Mm-hmm. They all agreed to the rules of the election and then screamed, oh, all these horrible things about, about you know, Donald Trump. When yeah. it came to the 2020 election, a bunch of Republicans and Democrats started changing voter rules in many states, which resulted in a major lawsuit by Texas, which is very, very different, which is I can understand why many of the Trump supporters are angry about it, among other things. So the, the issue is, if you and I agree, we're going to arm wrestle and the winner gets to choose what topping we put on our pizza and you lose, you can't then claim, well, you, you don't have the mandate. That's authoritarian. I'm like, bro, we agree to this. Right. We agree to a sorting mechanism by which we decide how things are made. Just because we have to make hard decisions and someone has to be the one to do it doesn't mean that it's an authoritarian system. Yeah. If, if, if Black Lives Matter gains power because of their cult ideology, they will have the ability to enforce this because they have a bunch of zealots who go around smashing windows and beating people. But there will be one person who exercises the authority and dictates to their cult to go and take action. Then the will of the people doesn't matter anymore. So you look at Cuba. Most people did not want communism. They did not want a dictatorship. But they were tricked and manipulated. And the revolutionary forces of Castro had the ability to take whatever they wanted. People resisted. There was no agreement to that. That was authoritarian. Many, mm. No one voted for him to do this. Well, actually, I don't know exactly if maybe they had a, a faux vote, but I'm pretty sure the elections never came. That's what Jose was saying. The Constitution never came. The election never came. And before we knew it, Castro was just the dictator who controlled everything. That's where we're going, thanks to critical race theory and the elimination of meritocracy. The idea is get you, you cut off the tall grass. You take away anyone's ability to challenge you, and you mandate things based on seemingly random characteristics. And then that's another way. That, that's probably the, 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 one of the surefire ways towards authoritarianism. With a meritocratic system, you it's it's not as easy to have authoritarianism, but you can, right? With a meritocratic system, you can get let, let's just, let's just call it a, a, a free market system. Yeah. Over time, monopolies form, power develops, and you get the East India Trading Company. No regulation, the wealthiest, most powerful company that ever existed, and they can do what they want: set up cities, enslave people, uh, attack people. With central centralization, with leftist ideology, with things like critical race theory. You use ideology and you just centralize authority immediately. So instead of taking a long amount of time to earn your position, they assert it by force. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right. I mean, this is, this is the premise of my book, you know, an inconvenient minority. So, you know, critical race theorists, you know, they they actually – it's funny the way we talk about critical race theorists because you need to realize that critical race theorists use race as a marketing tool. They use race as a marketing tool to get people of that race to support them, to value them, to buy their books, to vote for them, everything like that. Um, race is a marketing tool. That That's – at this at this stage of, of things, um, it was – it's a marketing tool for, for the purpose of – of eventual oppression because if you can convince somebody that their race is what matters to you and race is a set of characteristics that involves not acting white or acting white or this kind of thing then you can convince them to do things 
based on things that they wouldn't otherwise have chosen to do because you've appealed to a racial identity. Well, there's another co- component to the critical race theory stuff, yeah. and it's, it's the riots. That's their physical enforcement. If you don't agree with them, they smash your window. Yeah. So what do we see? In places like Berkeley, people in their windows, they put up Black Lives Matter signs. The signs don't actually mean they support Black Lives Matter. The signs actually mean, please don't hurt me. Yeah, I think, I think that Kenny is making the extremely salient point that at the end of the day, the bottom line is the question of who decides. And this is the issue of censorship. Who decides what is misinformation? Who decides whether Joe Biden should be taken off YouTube? And Joe Biden mentioned this a little while ago. He's like, it's not so much about the votes as who counts the votes. That is the person who decides Who's going to be in power? It's the person who calls the shots. Let's let's let, let's let, we'll, uh, we'll let's talk about critical race theory in these schools. Kenny, where where are you from? Uh, I'm from uh, Virginia. Were you born in Virginia? I was born in Maryland. I moved to Virginia when I was three years old. Born in Maryland, mm-hmm. so you're an American, and you just happen to be of uh, Asian descent. You you've, uh, of Asian ethnicity. Your parents are Asian, but you are an American citizen, right? What I see in this, in what the schools are doing, like Harvard, to, to Asian Americans, to people of Asian descent, is they're simply saying, because you look like those people, you can't go to this school. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Yeah, they're treating you based on something that you can't control about yourself. They're also treating you based on something you didn't consent to give them. You know, uh, Harvard asked for, asked for race uh, in your college application. But even if you don't give your race... Don't, they're still going to find out what race you are because they have an access to a database of all the students in the entire country. And they know not just your race. They know your, uh, they know your family's household income. They wow. know your, the neighborhood that you live in. They know the school that you went to. They know the crime rate of the school that they went to. And so regardless of how you consent to this, if you consent to give this, this information or not, they're going to treat you based on it. You know, and this is the new, this is the marriage. Harvard's admissions process is the marriage of racial profiling with data mining. That's what it is. It, it is, it, it represents an authoritarian future. What? Yeah. No, no, go, no, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. It represents an authoritarian future where people um, are going to get information from you without your consent and uh, th- things like race, background, everything like that, and then judge you on it. That, that is what the authoritarians will eventually do, and, and Harvard's process is an example of, of, of where we're going as a culture. The main thing I see here that is, that is the most alarming is, as, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, the left doesn't view individuals. They don't see individuals. Their whole system is comprised of utility. That's it. That's why they're like, how many Asians are in the school? Too many. How many white people? Too many. How many Latinos? Not enough. How many black people? Not enough. They don't care about the individuals and the work being done, and they don't care about the fact that there could quite literally be a black man who was born in Spain and he's Hispanic. He speaks Spanish. Yeah. And so they're like, ah, but his skin looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then you have American Americans in this country who are of any background. And they're like, we want you to go to the school simply because of how you look. What the how, what does that matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. I can't believe they're at a point where they're simply saying we want people to look different. It's interesting. Why? It's the it's it's an interesting conversation because genetically, obviously, we're different. Everyone's different, and probably because of our ancestry, there's subtle differences in our genetics that are interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just oh god, I had another part of that point that I, that I didn't well the, the the point is regardless of certain things like I went to uh, Thailand and I was taller than everybody, <laughs> right? 
I certainly mm-hmm. think through hard work and dedication and commitment, and uh, you can achieve great things and become the best of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's going, there's always going to be a Michael Phelps. He's got a wider arm span than normal. And if someone was saying like his, he produces less lactate, uh, what is it, a lactic acid or Ooh, something. Yeah. So this makes him just the best swimmer ever. Yeah, well, you know, that happens. And that's kind of why we have competition. But most people can earn experience and skills and work hard and be dedicated and make themselves better in a variety of ways. Maybe you're not the smartest. You could be the strongest. Maybe you're not the tallest. You can be, you can be super fast. You can work really hard. Muggsy Bose, man, that guy could 360 dunk. That dude could jump so high. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, what you look like. It, it matters if you have this, the determination, the, 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 the commitment, the willingness to do better, to be better. And so what the problem I have with all of this is, first and foremost, how insane is it that these people would look at a, a 10-year-old Vietnamese kid whose parents came here from, from Vietnam and they say, oh, honey, you can't go to Harvard. You look like those people too much. Mm. That's it. For the only reason you will never go to this Ivy League school, you look like those. That, that's insane to me. Yeah, These people I mean, are scumbags. Well, you know, I agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> look, um, and I'll just show you some facts. Look, Harvard University, um, you have to score, if you're an Asian American, you have to score 440 points higher on the SAT to have the same chance of admission wow. as a black American. Wow. Yeah. Simply that's, because you both have different color skins. Simply because you both have different color skins. Out of 1,600 if, points? If you submitted the, out of 1,600. If you, no, actually, that was out of 2,400. Oh. Back in the old 2,400 days. If you submitted mm. an application, the exact same application, and you had the same SAT score, the same grades, the same objective metrics. You, the only thing you did was you changed your race from Asian to black. A Harvard admissions officer is going to look at the Asian application, and they're going to say, oh, he's just like all the other Asians, probably groomed by his parents, overachieving, test-taking nerd, no personality. You change it to black, the story is most likely going to be, oh, my gosh, this guy is the greatest thing since sliced bread. We have to admit him and give him everything. Yeah, when I was but, at I- yeah, and, and it's not. And the thing is, the thing is, they they say they do this to admit the you know kids from underprivileged backgrounds. But if you look at the even the black admits at Harvard University, 70, 70 plus percent of them are upper middle class or higher, mm-hmm. and fifty percent of them are immigrants, are children of black immigrants. So they're not even admitting the kid from the south side of Chicago, you know, who you, who you may think deserves or should get that chance. They're admitting the privileged kid who looks black. Yep. What a, what a, what a disgusting uh, reality, I suppose. Does when, I, when I was growing up, I was told never to let anyone know that I was Asian if I was applying for a job. I would have to lie. I started just, putting you know. other on my things like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's just so gross. I, I remember I was applying for a job and uh, I was told, oh, just just don't put Asian, put Mexican or something else. And I was like, why? Huh. And I was told Asians don't have powerful special interest groups, so they don't get special favors in government. And people are allowed to discriminate against you on the basis of your race if you tell them that you tell them the truth about you know your family. Is it, was it, what are you saying, Lydia? Doesn't it strike you as unbelievably racist for them to look at a black applicant and be like, holy cow, this person is insanely special. Do you remember what Joe Biden said about Obama? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. No. Articu- is it yeah, safe for you too? He yeah, said, it is. It, it's, it, he said, the, what did he say, the first articulate? Yeah, or, the, he's so articulate. He's such and, an articulate geez. gentleman. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, I think they call it race real. Realism when you talk yeah. about the actual genetic differences of, and I don't even think it's different races. Am I right to say that? Like the human, 
well, race realists believe in like hard racial differences, right? And which, uh, I mean, according to genetics, I think there are. There's a reason why skin colors come out differently. But they take it, it can, to a very like take it to that's the problem level. with it because it's a fascinating conversation just to know. But that doesn't mean that we're different, like that we have different um, senses of freedom. We're all equally valuable and able. Of course. Yes. And I think one of the problems with race realism is that people uh, look, a lot of people make assumptions. It's how humans work. We look at something. We say, here's why I think here, I think this is why it's happening. Let me test that. And then race realists think if I see, you know, something like the bell curve uh, and mm-hmm. I see these differences based on IQ, it, it clearly must be the racial component. And. Perhaps some of it, uh, you know, I think it was Sam Harris and a few other, uh, I think, I'm not sure who it was, Sam Harris and maybe some of the IDW people saying there's some component there, obviously, why wouldn't there be? But they think it's the end-all, be-all, absolute reason. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. that is likely incorrect. I do think there's a mix between nature and nurture for sure. But I think human potential is, is typically not met. And that means regardless of your race. If you study hard and you work hard, you can be the best of the best of the best. You might not Mm. be like the number one position. But you might. But you might. It's just, it's just, it's just a, there's eight billion people, you know, it's one in eight billion to be number one. Who knows who that's going to be or why? I think part of what Kenny is seeing and part of what you see with these black kids being like the kids of Nigerian immigrants yeah. is a cultural thing. So uh-huh. Tim's talking about how that you look a certain way. So that means you're not going to have a chance to get in. Do you think it is how you look or do you think it's at least partly because of the, the Asian cultural preference? for hard work and studying and all that stuff. So, you know, this is a complicated question. I'm not a race realist. I, I think that predominantly what explains uh, disparities in, I think predominantly what dis- what uh, predicates disparities in the United States with regards to a lot of these things is cultural. I think that cultural factors, uh, for example, Asian Americans don't come to the U.S. with like a significantly higher IQ than the average person and in fact studies have shown that asians with lower iq are able to overcome that lower iq because they study pretty hard they work really hard and they're actually able to compete with whites at an iq bracket that's a quintile higher a quintile standard deviation higher than them so this is this is this is this is massive this is this shows you that it's not just your iq that makes you successful you really have to put in the work and what asian americans do on average, and I'm saying this on average, every individual is different. There are a lot of Asian Americans who don't work hard, but Asian Americans individually, on average, study twice as many hours as the average American per week. It's Why probably, is that? It's, it, well, I'll tell you this: I yeah. think it's cultural. It is. Yeah. You guys, are both, I, I, I was, yeah. I was, I was tutored by my mom when I was as like one or two, and yeah, she's she's so Korean. Great. What wow. is she? A hundred percent Korean? Like half born Korean. in Korea, half Korean? No, nope. nope, born in the United States. Okay, her yeah. parents were one of her parents was from Korea. Yep, born in Korea. I don't know exactly where, but my grandmother was one hundred percent Korean, and that trickles down a little bit, I suppose. I would imagine. I, I mean, I value free speech because I'm an American because I was born here and raised here with these cultural values. If I have children, I'm going to pass those on to my children. It's not because of the way I look, but the people that are my progeny that or look, look like me then yeah. will. But it, but it's not, it's not even about that. You believe in free speech? Yes. And your parents came from China. There you go. The Chinese Communist Party does not believe in free speech. Right. <laughs> people can be whatever. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, uh, there uh, there was a story that came out recently, Gallup poll. Race uh-huh. relations are worse than they've been in, like, for a really long time. And I think it's because millennials are extremely racist. I think that modern leftist and progressive millennials are the most racist we've seen in a very, very, very long time. 
And so that's why you see around like 2013 race relations plummet. Because this is when millennials start aging into the workforce, into influential positions, and they start espousing their racist ideology. Now you have racist millennials, admitted white supremacists like Robin D'Angelo espousing racist ideals. And then all of a sudden, you've got a bunch of minorities being like, yo, these people are racist. What? <laughs> when Obama I, really at, did lay on that race card. During Occupy Wall Street, when the, the Occupy activists segregated all the activists by race. Dude. I remember seeing well, that. Yeah, no joke. They did. Crazy. They created race based caucuses for voting on how the how the, the body would spend they money. They wouldn't and let me function. talk to the media. It was crazy. Oh that was white. They literally, they literally, wow. but they literally had like the Hispanic caucus, the Asian caucus, the people of color caucus, the black caucus. And so I remember they split up all the groups based on race. And there was this black dude chilling because Zuccotti Park, where Occupy happens, is slightly downhill. So yeah. there's like this ledge that slowly turns into a very high. It's like very small at the top of the uh, by the street. And then as you uh -huh. walk down, the ground goes down. The ledge stays the same height. And he's sitting up on top of it. And I see him arguing with somebody and I walk over and I'm listening to him. And he just goes, do you have any idea what the press is going to say when they find out y'all segregated based on race? <laughs> and I started laughing and I'm like, dude, yes, like yep. these people have lost it. But you know what? Their ideology is winning. That's crazy because it's, ground, at least for it's now. so it has the 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 question of success in America has much less to do with your race, your race than it has to do with these cultural values that can be adopted by any race. And to say uh I mean, you know, hard work studying hard, any race can do. It doesn't matter if you're Asian. They call that you can study though. hard if you're white. There was that. There was that. Did you, you said, know that? Yeah. Do you see that thing? If you're black. Yeah. Did, you, did you see that, yeah, that yeah. graphic they had on the was it the African American uh, History Museum, Museum or whatever? Yeah. And it said like working hard and having a schedule was oh whiteness. That to me is absolutely insane. But I, I will add. Yeah. There have been several studies done, uh -huh. and they found one trait that guarantees success, or I should say, one trait that was was highly correlated with success. It's IQ, right? No. No. Oh, what is it? Not even it isn't wealth. Is that a trait? It yes, it isn't wealth, it isn't IQ, it isn't race, it isn't uh national origin, it isn't gender. It's perseverance. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. Oh, that's the for sure. One thing they found yes. among every group, every race, every gender, every age bracket, every IQ bracket, every class was those who refused to give up succeeded and those who gave up failed. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. this is one example. This is one reason why Black Americans who join the military, who join the army, actually tend to have much higher career success outcomes, both military and non-military afterwards. Huh. Um, you know, in the army, you're taught things like perseverance. You're taught things like overcoming and resilience and everything like that. And the people who are put with that kind of structure in their lives, you know, can can really elevate. And that's why you see Black Americans who are in the military, you know are disproportionately well represented among the upper middle and, and upper classes in America. When you were um, studying the uh, the meritocracy and the, the failure of, yeah. is it Harvard? Is it Harvard that's doing these admissions things? Is that what you said? It's okay. So here's the thing about this, this crazy thing that's happening at Harvard, all of this, this admissions process, this race baiting and, and profiling started at Harvard, but it has since it has since grown to become an entire Ivy league phenomenon. And then from there, the Ivy League exported this ideology to big corporations like Google and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And now you see Google and Facebook in their diversity and inclusion programs also be anti-Asian. You know, I just published this article in Quillette magazine. Asians make up 90 percent 
of Silicon Valley software engineers. Wow. 90% of Silicon Valley software engineers, but you go up each level of management, Asians get lower and lower and lower percentage mm-hmm. until in the executive level, they're only like 20% of the executive level of Facebook and Google. And, um, you know, this this is an example of, and, and nobody is advocating for Asians to be hired more or promoted more in Silicon Valley and things like that because they don't fit the narrative because they're still considered overrepresented. Did you Meritocracy, man. Yeah, yeah. Have you if found... You earn the, if you earn it, if you can do it, then there you go. Like, have you were... Yeah. Are you able to isolate methodologies that enhance meritocracy amongst education and business? So I think that one of the things that you have to... So first of all, um, you know... I understand IQ is is correlated significantly with with performance in college, and particularly not just IQ but standardized test scores. You have to look at objective metrics like standardized test scores. Um, that people love to rip on tests. They love to rip on standardized tests. I get it. It's a lot of work. You have to study. Mm-hmm. But the standardized test measures two things that are meritorious. It measures your innate intelligence and it measures how hard you prepare. Right, because you have to prepare for tests, and if you don't study for tests, you're lazy. And if you're lazy, you're not going to do well in school. Right. So uh, now Harvard is trying to get rid of standardized tests of admissions. Um, why? They say you know it disproportionately uh, benefits the wealthy and privileged over you know poor black and Latino students. You know they point at the fact that blacks tend to do worse on standardized tests than than other people. But what they conveniently leave out is that. Standardized tests actually correct for wealth and privilege because if you're a poor kid, an immigrant kid um, who has no social connections, you're not you're not going to be able to stand out um, except to you're not going to be able to stand out when compared next to a rich and wealthy kid except through the standardized test. Right, right, right. You know, this is the standardized test is the only test that allows you to be able to compete side by side with a wealthy and privileged kid right. and beat them. Because typically what happens is the guy shows up, talks to the dean, and says, my son would like to go here. Let me give a donation to the West Wing. And <laughs> soccer team, you're funded. Lacrosse team, you're funded. And, kid gets in. And te- nearly 10% of Harvard's new class could be considered a children of a donor, a child of a donor, mm-hmm. that, that make this dean's list that Harvard uses to signify primarily children of donors. And well, then 35% of them are legacies. Wow. What's that? What's a legacy? A legacy is a is a kid whose parents went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues, and uh, um, I don't know if we have all the answers, but we do have super chats. Yes. So let's let's talk to you guys, see what you have to say. If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, go to TimCast.com, help support our fearless and independent journalism. And by becoming a member, you get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as an ad-free experience. All right, let's see what we got here. Mr. 36 says, hey, Tim and crew, thank you for all the important work you do. Congratulations on all your success. I can't see it. wait to see what the future holds at TimCast. Much love from Lockdown oh, Australia. Good luck, Sorry there. to hear it, but um, we got some uh, Dungeon Masters coming yeah. up, I guess. The, the exciting thing is when new people come, they bring an unexpected, like a whole new reality of it's being that, that like yeah. changes, you know, in ways love you didn't it. even conceptualized could yeah. happen like when when scott showed up with that diseased mangy cat yeah i ran but I, I couldn't run fast like, enough <laughs> <laughs> right. and then ian was like why'd you hire this guy and i was like get him scott and then scott released the cat at ian and ian i'm kidding there's no scott. scott scott doesn't exist and there was scott. no diseased mangy cat I mean, no never happened no nope. i woke up in the dark and i was like what's cutting me 
I'm just kidding about that. It's very exciting around here. <laughs> yeah, it's nonstop action. We're encouraging people to work here. This is great. Yeah. All right, let's see. Placid Saint says, Tim, Lucas and Isaac Botkin from T-Rex Arm said in an Armory live stream on Twitch, they would go on your show by invite only to talk about changing the culture on two-way and how to do it. We will uh, take a look into cool, that. It would, yeah. be, it would be fun to talk about guns. Because Joe Biden was basically like, we're going to ban all the guns. And it's like, oh, he, he basically said it. Mm. Seven Missoon says, Ian looks like a younger version of the crazy long-haired doctor from Independence Day. Does he? Oh, oh, wait. That was Brett Spiner, wasn't it? Brent Spiner? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, snap. But you know what was funny? Like, <laughs> in the original Independence Day, he's just the doctor. And then they, like, really emphasized his gay marriage in the uh, in the new, in the sequel. That's oh. Silly. You know? I didn't know. They, like, made it a big component. Yeah, it's a little and too woke. Maybe. Like, my thing is, like, if it's, if it's emphasized to the same degree as any marriage would be, I really don't care. Yeah. But if they make it, like, a centerpiece, I'm kind of like, I get it, guys. Like, it, the, the love story is cool, but if it's... Uh, that it's gay, then that's annoying. Yeah, I don't like that. Like, I don't care what gender. All right. Gino mm. Fass says, who feeds the chickens every morning at the TimCast homestead? Also, hi, Ian. Uh, so here's hey. what happens. We have a big, <laughs> uh, just, it's a gravity feeder. It's like, a, it's a big thing. You fill with food. And then as the chickens eat, it just goes down. It's great. You know, they, and they scratch and they drag. However, chickens eat bugs. So really what happens is I get up in the morning, you know, I get ready. After I record the first show, I go out and I release the chickens to the farm. Yay. And they've decimated the zucchinis and the tomatoes. They're tearing <laughs> the whole place to shreds. They're little dinosaurs running around just destroying everything. Very exciting. And uh, we're, we're going to lay concrete down and move the garden. So it's time for the chickens to come and destroy it. But uh, there's no feeding them, really. They have a feeder. And then they eat bugs. And so that's what they do. They go out, they eat bugs, and they eat vegetables. I got a, a fantastic 10-second video of them on my Instagram page of them just lounging. End oh, of the day, cool. chilling out, and the rooster screams. So if you want to hear that rooster, go check it out. <laughs> yeah, the dirt baths are funny. Yeah. They, like, dig little holes, and then they, they, they're they rolling around. Yeah, they're, they're trying to have babies. Oh. Uh, so we, I actually found out a couple of the eggs were fertilized. So I'm going to leave them and see if they have uh, nice. some children. Cool. Some, and they'll be goofy looking, I guess, because we've got a bunch of different breeds of chicken, you know? Mutt chickens. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got. J-Mac says, Asian history is very respectable, honorable, pragmatic, and ancient. The first goal of the CCP was to destroy that history. One of, was it the first goal? I know it was a major goal, but yeah. Major goal. Yeah, erase the, the, the past. That's crazy. I just saw that movie Hero. You know, oh, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, who, who mentioned – someone mentioned it to, to Andreas, us. I think, was talking about it. Someone on the show mm -hmm. was like hero because he basically oh, is yeah. like – he's an anti-imperial, but then by the end he decides to spare the emperor or whatever. Mm. Either way, fun movie. Yeah, Andreas was saying it was imperialist propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it was imperialist propaganda? Yeah, like, yeah, CCP yeah, yeah, yeah. propaganda. We didn't know at the time, and now it's banned was it? in China. Is that Yeah, true? it's not CCP propaganda. They wouldn't ban know. it if it was. Who knows? Yeah, huh. it's all about control. I don't think they want you to believe any one thing in particular. They just want to control what you think. Mm. And I'm not saying the CCP, but authoritarians in general. Oh, this is right. fun. Rocky says, Tim and crew, you should have a glossary for your commonly used ideas with sources on your website. Not just Overton Window, but, quote, oh. there are four lights. That's a good idea. That that would be an interesting thing to make. We keep you know? adding to it. Yeah, just like common things we mention. Like a little wiki. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John Hutto says, do we know that the 188K crossing the border are even being all tested? Or what percentage were tested? No, we don't. No. Nope. They just walk through the border, get in a car, and then drive off. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a good time to be a migrant. Okay, what is this? Frank says, I want to hear Ian say, just like the Pied Piper led rats through the streets, we dance like marionettes swaying to the symphony of destruction. 
Just like the Pied Piper led the rats through the streets, we dance like marionettes <laughs> to the Symphony of Destruction. Swaying <laughs> to the Symphony of Destruction. Don't overachieve. That's my goal. <laughs> really close. All right. Let's see. All right. Uh, um, oh, oh here's, here's a very important one from oh. Make 1984 Fiction again. Mm-hmm. He says, true in anana shaba de... Oh, he added some to it. Oh. He's trying to get me. Because Biden <laughs> said, true in shaba de pressure. <laughs> he says, true in anana shaba da... Dadden depression. Shabada Dada depression. There you go. Extra syllable. Oh, it's a, a Danden there. Yeah, yeah. Danda depression. Shabada Danda depression. There you go. <laughs> Important. Okay, let's see where we at. Um, Velvet Schwinkter says, Tim, please make your bonus segments an hour long. <laughs> I would love to. However, there is one very difficult challenge there, and that is I already record four hours a day. Of of well, podcast. One more. What's another half an hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four hours, man. Okay. Wow. Mental Slave says Ryan Chapman's video called The Marxism Behind Leftist Identity Politics Explained is very well done and informative. I recommend it. Very interesting. Cool. Handyman says Ian's silver lining. Wokeism will eventually destroy the Fed like it does everything else. <laughs> It will. Well, yeah, maybe yeah, De- let's deconstruct the Fed rather I than so. destroy. How's I that? Hope, I hope they go broke. Mick Squared says, Tim, look up the etymology anti. The original Greek root has multiple meanings, against and in place of. So anti-racism is a replacement for racism, not something oh. that is against racism. Okay. Hmm. Colloquially, the modern version of anti is meant to imply opposite of or opposed to, but that's not what it means, is it? It's just a dog whistle. It's a manipulation. That's pretty clever. Yep. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. OMG Puppy says, BAP says, it's the billionaire plutocrats versus middle class, workers, farmers, and small business. They covet their aggregated wealth, will take their property, arms, and freedom. Plutocrats gather power by in- inventing and allying with fake victim classes. That's where we're headed. Wrath of Paul says, I live in New York, and if mask mandates and or lockdowns return, I will not comply. Civil disobedience is our best tool to fight the COVID-1984 regime. There are many people who share the sentiment even here. In fact, I'm not even convinced the lockdowns can't come back, to be, to be completely honest. In, uh, we, we already saw one story where I think it was in Victoria. They were like chaos as people just went and did whatever they wanted. Oh. I think, oh. I, I, yeah, New well, York, I, I, I just think regular people are like, eh, I'm done. That's how I feel. Yeah. But we're in the middle of nowhere. It's 15 It's very different here. The spread. The, the whole yeah, shutdown thing is what weirds me out because it was, uh-huh. it was just to slow the spread so we didn't overload the hospitals. So now I don't. I don't understand. Yep. I don't see why. Yeah. There's this, um, I forgot what it's called. Do you guys, do you know about that, that drowning rat experiment? No. No. <laughs> no. Tell me. Um, what is it called? Guys in the chat, you guys are going to know what it's called. It was where the guy put the rats in the tubes and they were drowning. So, uh, horrible. it's yeah. up to the sea, I think. Right. Let me see if I can see. Yeah, the something That's, rat experiment, it's a very human whatever. Experiment. Yeah. But, uh, so here's what happened there are these big cylinders full of water, and he would put rats in them. Mm-hmm. And within 15 minutes, the rats would be struggling and then just give up and then sink and drown. 
hope he, experiment? No, it's this. It's the. It's a rat experiment. Yeah, that's what that's what they're calling it. it the hope. Well, it it is it, it it's it's not called the hope experiment. Behavioral despair test. There's a name. There's a guy who did it, and he has a oh, name. Okay. And they do say it's it's an experiment. It, uh, you know that it shows you the power of hope, which is a creepy story. Because here's what happened: the rats would drown in about 15 minutes. With the next group, he puts the rats in, and then right before they give up and drown, he takes them out, dries them off, lets them rest for a few minutes, and then puts them back in. The second time, they swam for like several days. Whoa. And what they say is it's because the rats were holding out, hoping that the hand would come back and save them from their fate. Kurt Richter. Kurt Richter. Yeah. That's it. It's the Kurt Richter rat experiment. There you go. That's Creepy. Very powerful. Huh? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, so anyway, I bring that up because there, there, uh, people have been mentioning the similarities in that, or not the similarities, but the idea. We get this lockdown. It's 15 days. Everybody starts boiling in their seats. We get riots and people are losing their minds and then they lift it all. Oh, and everyone's like, Whew. now if the lockdowns come back, it could be indefinite. And people would, would sustain themselves more without becoming hopeless because they know if they just hold out, there will be an end to the lockdown. So now, assuming this experiment translates to humans, maybe it doesn't. Rats are different. Yeah, they they could does. lock down for, for a decade. Wow. Hey, I'm in the middle of nowhere. That's why I got out of the cities. And you got Jack Basobic saying it. You got... Me saying it, we had uh, Travis Travis, Corcoran on with the book, Escape the City, although he was saying it's not time to leave the city just yet. My thing is like, dude, we just got these electric bikes. We're like riding them around like in the, you know, it's like just, it's a big yard. It's like, you know, and so we just ride them around. We go skating. We've got ramps. We got a barbecue grill. We got chickens. The chickens are yelling. Mm. You know, it's fun. I'd love to build giant tubes that we could ride up into and like ride on the sides and like go around. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, wood prices are going down a little bit. <laughs> okay. We got construction on the new studio happening out here in the middle of nowhere. It's almost like there's no restrictions or lockdowns, and there never were, to be honest. Thank God we're connected to the internet so that I know what the heck's going on. I mean, is that a good thing? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sometimes, don't you just want to just go to the top of the mountain and just sit back and look at the stars and, yeah. you know, pull out a bag of chips and just, you know, read a book or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're too hyper-connected these days, right? There's, 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 it's not all good. All right. Dave Franco Jr. says Joe Biden is telling the truth. The MAGA movement is a threat to the power structures that have exalted these lesser men above us. So it, so it is the greatest threat to his vision of America, not actual regular Americans. And, and perhaps when Joe Biden said the greatest threat since the Civil War, he's not talking about the Republicans or the Trump supporters. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's not talking about the greatest threat to America. He's specifically talking to the oligarchical elites. Hmm. We we envision him talking to the American people, hmm. most of the Democrats. He's not even talking to them. He's looking into the eyes of the Goldman Sachs banker, huh. saying what they're doing is the biggest threat since the Civil War. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 true because, you know, in a sense, he, he does talk to them in that way because, you know, you have these big, huge billionaires, McKenzie, Bezos, and... You know, and and Bill Gates and everything like that, and they're giving away all of this money, and you see how much money they're giving to all of these woke causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and how did they get this idea? I mean, you would presume they're smart people. You know, if they built all of these companies, why are they giving it all of these things? Well, they're appealing to their sense, um, their emotion of of empathy. Oh, you need to go and contribute to these people because it shows that you care, because you can virtue signal. So yep. as a result, this is this entire emotion breeding industry, you know, results in billions of dollars for Black Lives Matter and the like. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right. James Gross says, long time listener, first time Super Chat. You've kept me sane and informed for years. And I look forward to all your future projects. Rock on you, bald cuck and crew. And Larry Elder for California (laughs) governor. Larry Elder is leading the polls. I saw that. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Wow. But they weren't talking about it. Wasn't it like they showed the top people and he wasn't even on the list. And then they showed like Larry Elder's got like. Oh, because they're trying to keep him off. They're trying to block him from being able to run. He has to like sue or something. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Yeah, because dude, if he wins, it would be like the best thing ever. Oh, thank you. It's him and Caitlyn Jenner, right? Caitlyn Jenner dropped. No, no, no. She she was not the top, but she went to Australia for like Big Brother or something. Oh, for a TV show, I guess. Oh, wild. Yeah, Jenner was was polling at four percent. Okay. Yep, but Larry Elder, governor of California. Could you imagine? Oh man! And I'm I'm just going to be very utopian. It's like he walks in. (laughs) And then, like, everybody's standing outside waiting to see what happens. And then they look at their watches. And then all of a sudden, California's fixed. It's like, <gasps> bling. It's like, all of a sudden, everything's back to normal. And like, the homeless people. Yeah, the, the poop is off the streets. Yeah. The homeless people. All, the, all, instantly, the homeless guy sitting there just pops up and a suit appears on him. It's like, whoa. And then he's, like, got a job. And he's, like, on the phone. He's like, I'm going to make that sale. And just everything just perfect happens. The poop just gets up and just walks away itself. Dude. It's all magic utopia. They started recovering plastic and building 3D printing tubes to make geodesic domes for people to live in. Oh, love it. Great. Yeah, I guess. I love or it. Or one gigantic geodesic dome with little dome pods Ooh, all over the yeah. place. Yeah, you break the plastic down with uh, Pestiolopsis microspora fungus and turn yeah. it into sugar, and then you mix it with graphene to 3D print the tubes. Oh, there's graphene. Perfect, yes. All right, here we go. Joe A says, my dad is a landlord, and he tried to evict someone for not paying rent for a year. The town sends the evictions to city court now, and the liberal city judge refused. It has been Whoa. three more months since. Yes. Communism? That's where we're going? I mean, look, the, 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 the Great Reset people want people not to eat out, not to go to the stores, not to waste money. They want you to live in the pot and eat the bugs if you're in the city. And if you're in the middle of nowhere, they want you to have fun playing freeze tag instead of going to the movies. Wow. Hmm. I'm not – look, I've, 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 I love you know climbing and you know I love uh, sports and stuff. So like I, 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 I enjoy my day when I go outside and enjoy the fresh air. Too many people in these cities don't do that. Their 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 enjoyment is based upon physical things they can acquire, and uh, that's a problem. Ben Stewart was saying that hanging from a tree branch for a little bit every day is really good for your balance. Hmm. Really, I could see yeah. it. It's good for the back. Mike G says, "Yes, Ian, the missing puzzle piece is the coming market crash. The government needs a smoke screen. It's the COVID Delta variant crap they keep pushing. Mm. Yeah, market crash. A lot of people have been saying that's coming. Mm-hmm. And well, I think we're in it." Um, they take a while. They take sometimes a couple of years. You know, it's, it doesn't happen one day. You know, People we, don't realize how f- the shortages that are lurking. Uh, I warned about the food shortage and now Taco Bell is saying it. Yeah. It's like, bro, if you listen to my show, I said this like two months ago. Look at the local level. The local the local news outlets were like, local Chinese food restaurant can't get chicken anymore. And I was like, hey, how come the New York Times isn't reporting this? Hmm. How come we're not seeing CNN report there's a major food shortage? They don't care. The real money for national outlets is not in a local story about food. But now, TacoBell.com, international chain, says at the top, sorry, we are unable to get certain ingredients and might not have your items available. I was listening to a podcast and there was a grocery magnate who was saying that we're looking at inflation of like, I want to say 6 to 14%. Um, And then he was talking about like breaking down the kind of inflation we're going to see. And he's like, it's coming. Like, there is no escaping it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason we're seeing shortages at, like, Taco Bell and, like, these shortages of meat and everything, but well. it's depressing. Mick Dundee says, can't have this argument without philosophy. There are three root arguments. Logic, emotional, authority needs to be discussed. 
Yeah, man. You know, I've been thinking a lot about um, tactics and like the Gravel Institute when they cheer, they, they cheer on the tactic that was used by the insurrectionists, but then denounced the insurrectionists themselves. And I'm using insurrectionists as, you know, the way they describe it on the left. So the people on January 6th, you know, stormed the Capitol. And then Gravel Institute was like, they said it was a good thing, but they just disagree with the people who are doing it. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I've, I've long said, you know, the ends don't justify the means because you'll never meet the ends. If you build a government based on using violence and, you know, and, and seizing power, then you will just eventually get that anyway. But the problem is if people are going to use those tactics and they work and they exist, it'll never stop no matter what you do. And thus you end with, you end up with this endless cycle and there's no real way to fix it. We get a couple hundred years of classical liberal values and an expansion of civil rights. And then the wingnut crackpots come in and destroy it all and let it on fire to seize power. And they claim they're justified to do it. Hmm. The founding fathers won their, the, the liberty and the Bill of Rights through a uh, violent revolution. Yeah. I mean, the French, through the French emptying their bank account, basically, bankrupting the country. How about, how about we, 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 we say something different, Ian? Let's do it. The French didn't intervene in the revolution. The American revolutionaries intervened in the war between the French and the English, Good. saving the French. Okay, I like where your mind's at. <laughs> no, Viva la France. Yeah, yeah no. France was basically just like, hey, we're at war with these guys, so, you know. Anything you need, let's defeat yeah, we the were, British. Yeah, we were basically helping them, mm-hmm. you know. They helped us. We were a wonderful offshore diversion. The enemy That's of right. my enemy is my friend. <laughs> Mr. Bojangle You're says, welcome, France. the Constitution forbids the government from, in- oh, in World War II. The Constitution forbids the government from inhibiting the liberties of the people. Therefore, the government should be responsible for ensuring corporations that operate within the public space to not limit those same liberties for the citizen of the citizenry. Mm. The challenge is the Supreme Court has applied a lot of these arguments to corporations as individual entities, and that's where the challenge is. To say that Twitter has to host the speech of, of Ian is, is arguably, I say arguably, the same as telling Ian he has to say a certain phrase or a quote by someone else. The issue is we need to regulate big tech like utilities, like like common carriers, more like a phone company. Maybe not utility, but like a phone company, which is utility, I guess. And then they can't take you down because they have nothing to do with it. Except people, a utility. people are telling me that they can't get texts through about like a doctor was like, I'm a doctor and my cousin's a, you know, a pathologist. And I'm texting him COVID vaccine and it wouldn't go through on his phone. Well, we already know why. And multiple people are sending me this information in the last like four why. days. So common carriers even seem like they're uh, susceptible. Yeah, when to the corruption. authoritarians take over, funky. Biden and the DNC said they're going to the, the phone company to shut them down to, to shut down private text messages, mesh networking, go. shortwave radio. Uh oh, make 1984 fiction again says. And when those ten people get their pizza, they realize <laughs> there's only eight pieces. All hell breaks loose. Yes. No one ever said they were only ordering one pizza. Oh, Which brings us to the other part of that argument is that. In a, uh, in a direct democracy, the six people say, we want pepperoni, and the four say, pineapple. Okay. And then the six say, yeah, well, we have the majority rule, so we are getting pepperoni pizza. And then you have, like, a, a ranked choice republic or a parliamentary republic, and the four people say, then we choose to do a pizza that is two-thirds pepperoni and one-third pineapple. Yeah. Problem yeah. solved. <clears throat> and then you or cut two pizzas. 25 yeah. pieces, yeah. and everybody gets two. Right? Is that how it works? Or you just do, uh, they say, There's we're going to do two pizzas. Yeah, more than And one, one, will, one will be uh, half pineapple pepperoni, and the other will be pepperoni, and then everyone's happy. There you go. Problem solved. That's the expansion. That's Our ability to expand is basically what's kept us alive this long as humans. Mm, and specialize. Yeah. All right. Phobes says, we agreed. 
the social contract is not a valid contract. I didn't sign ish. And I noticed you've got that red and black little uh, YouTube image, presumably implying anarcho-capitalism. Mm. That's right. You didn't agree to the social constru- contract. However, there's an interesting argument I have with libertarians about uh, and ANCAPs about living in the United States. And it's, sure, you're born here. It's great to be here. There's a lot of advantages to being here. But you don't have to be here. You, you really don't. I guess the challenge is like, where would I go? It's like, I don't know, middle of nowhere. There's that free state in, um, uh, in Mexico where like a lot of ANCAPs actually go. And so I say this to a lot of people. I'm like, listen, man, like I have, I, I know people who have gone to, I can't remember the name of the state. Do you guys know the state? Is that Mexican state? It's a, it's that one state that Luke's always talking about. I used to remember. Starts with a CH or something. Yeah. yeah something like that. And it's like, they, they abolished the government and the cartels and got rid of them. And now it's like totally anarchic. And I know a lot of uh, Americans who are ANCAP who like go down there. Like, this is Chiron. perfect. Sharon. Sharon. Yeah, Luke, Luke's always talking yeah. about that. Hmm. And so I say to the people here, I'm like, go. I'm not, I'm not saying to be mean. I'm saying like that is like a place where you can live the way you want to live there and not have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Yep. So if you don't want to agree to the rules here, there are places, you know, so. might not be easy to get there initially, but there are places you can go and have your own contract, your own agreement. Well, this is the whole idea of assimilation. You know, a lot of immigrants... You always ask, well, what do you give up when you come to America? I mean, you do get a lot of things as an American when you choose to come here as an immigrant. But you also – you do have to respect your culture and you have to respect American structure. You know, uh, American structure is very individualistic. <coughs> a lot of Chinese immigrants and a lot of immigrants from Asia are not necessarily used to that as much. You know, you, you do – if you want to make – if you want to make change in America, you have to speak up. A lot of Asian cultures are not used to speaking up, especially Chinese Americans who lived under oh, communist see, regimes. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, uh, is it squeaky wheel gets the grease or is it, what's the other analogy? The loudest thing gets gets cut or hit. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you, you know, American culture is different. Its structure is different. You do have to assimilate to that if you want to, you know, be, be well-liked in this country. Interesting. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. Kimberly Brundle says, I've been listening to Tim telling us to stand up and do something to fight authoritarianism. It inspired me to run as a candidate for the People's Party of Canada. Oh. You're inspiring Canadians to fight back. Uh oh, foreign election interference in oh, Canada. No. Oh, uh oh. Globalization was, is inevitable. The one thing I thought that was really funny about uh, the 2016 election when they were like, foreign interference. And I'm like, Paul Joseph Watson's from the UK and he's talking about Trump. <laughs> you know, Milo Yiannopoulos is from the UK and he's here talking about Trump. I, was, I made a it's video true. directly to Barack Obama in 2007 saying, you're going to win the presidency. You're going to run for two terms. And then Steve Grove at YouTube featured it on the politics page. So, like, talk about political interference. Yeah, what the heck? Like, got tens of thousands of views. Like, come on. I, At least you're an American citizen. Yeah, and it's also like foreign interference. You, are you are you saying that foreign powers have never interfered in the U.S. elections ever for any reason? Right. They always interfere. They love to interfere. Russia and China are always going to try to interfere. You know, Every it's not about foreign does. interference. It's about what can we do to combat it. You know, mm-hmm. or embrace it in the or embrace in the, it in the guise of the French actually interfering to create the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. That was helpful. Well, this is crazy. Oh boy. Block Viking says Bottega Louie, one of the restaurants you listed, has been in downtown LA since 1929. Mm. Crazy to see it close down. Ooh. Wow. That sucks. That's crazy. I don't like that. Fritter says, dig up the Calvin Coolidge quote on perseverance too long for Super Chat. Let me see. Mm. <laughs> A lot of people are, are questioning our, our pizza thing. Black Rock Beacon says 10 voters, 6 to 4 pepperoni, 4 agree to seed to 6. 
democracy. But if the four opt to leave the party and get different food and the six demand they stay, pay and eat the pepperoni, that is authoritarianism hiding behind a vote. That's a great point, actually. Hmm. Yeah. So a libertarian system would be the four people saying, okay, then we're going to get our own food and not eat your pizza. And authoritarian would be like, no, you have no choice. You have to eat our pizza. And it has to be pepperoni. Well, I think what you're saying, so six people... Or I was gone for the end of this conversation. Six people say we want pineapple. Four people. No, four want, people want pineapple. Six want pepperoni. Let's change yeah. it around. I like pineapple. No, okay, whatever. Okay. So six nope. people want pepperoni. <laughs> four people want pineapple. They end up going with pepperoni. Because That's authoritarian. No, no, no. It's it's a democratic. It's a democracy. democratic authoritarian. But you can call it the tyranny of the majority. Yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily tyranny if you agree to that system. Right. And then if you you've say, agreed beforehand, whatever the vote comes out as, we're all going to agree that's the pizza we're going with. Mm-hmm. But what if one day someone walks in and says, let's get pizza. Who wants to vote on pizza? And everyone says, we'll vote on pizza. And then six say pepperoni and four, pay pine- four say pineapple. And then when they're like, pepperoni wins, the pineapple guys go, we're going to order our own pizza and get pineapple. Well, then you say that's not what you agreed to. We let you in here with the agreement that you were going to go with what we decided. So we decided it. Even if they're going to buy Welcome their own. to the United States. Well, no. Yeah. If you say beforehand, we're going to buy our own, then okay. But if you want to participate, we're deciding But together. hold on. Let's add another element to this. They decide to vote on what pizza to get. And everyone agrees to vote. Uh-huh. They're all sitting in the house and says, we're voting on lunch. We always vote on lunch. Everyone agrees. This is how we vote on lunch. Okay. Everyone raise your hand for pepperoni. Six do. Everyone raise your hand for pineapple. Everyone does. And then they say, okay, we're ordering pepperoni pizza. And the four uh-huh. pineapple guys go... Well, we're going to order our own pizza and get our own pineapple. And they say, we need you to pitch in for the full right. price of the pizza. Right. You agreed we'd do a vote. You guys lost, but we still need you to pitch in. Otherwise, we can't get the pizza in the first place. And they say, yeah, well, we don't want to pay for pizza. We don't want to eat. Dude, you are here. We do this all the time. We vote on, we all, we all share. When you guys got blimpies, we ate that and we didn't like that either. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know what? We know ne- we never agreed to this. Okay. Then there's the door. Mm. Y'all can leave. No one's making you stay here. But it's cold outside. Yeah. But there's no food there. Okay. But I like being in here. Then you got to pitch in, don't you? We agreed this Mm. is how we would vote on what to get. We can afford one pizza, take it or leave it. Well, I'm going to go start my own house. Then they go outside and some people might, you know, put on that flannel and take an axe and go be a lumberjack and build their own house. (laughs) But, you know, the funny Mm. thing is I talk to a lot of people and they're like, I shouldn't have to pay for this social contract. And I'm like, then you don't have to get the benefits of being in America. I'm right. not saying it to be a dick. I'm saying it's transactional. You mm-hmm. can go to, uh, what's it called? Sharon? Sharon. Yep. You can go to Sharon. I hear really, really great things about it. Sounds no, cool. I'm not even kidding. I yeah. really do hear great things about it. So mm-hmm. go somewhere where you won't have this be happening to you instead of just being like, I want to reap the rewards of a society I refuse to pay for. Now, to be fair, American tax dollars, ta- tax dollars go to a lot of dumb stuff yep. that I'm not happy with. So, well, this is like, that's key- a fair, fair right. point from, you know, Right. People and, and this is like the case of affirmative action, too, because, you know, sometimes you have a really great story. And even though you're not objectively qualified, somebody's going to admit you because of your story. And that would be more acceptable to me if Harvard College came up to an, a, a lesser qualified person of a certain race and said, hey, you know, you're not objectively qualified, but we're going to admit you. But, you know, we need you to assimilate to our culture and, you know, be grateful. But instead, what they do is that not only they admit you, they indulge. Your, you know, every desire with great inflation, everything like that. They make sure that you pass, you know, and get A pluses in every class. The average grade at Harvard is an A minus, surprisingly. Wow. And it's just, 
at that point, you're not engaging in a fair social con- contract. And at that point, you, you are incentivizing a person to be a parasite on your school mm-hmm. rather than become a person who becomes fully assimilated into the culture. Agreed. All right, here we go. EJ Pido says, Tim, will you commit to attending Mike Lindell's cyber symposium if you can secure an invite? He has made bold claims of election fraud, and many of us would like to have a reporter there we can trust. Oh. Bannon should be able to set you up. I do not think I would be able to because with the expansion of TimCast comes great responsibility. And so there's a lot of people that I have to meet with all the time. I work literally every single day because even even though the weekends I no longer do this show, we're doing the vlog and I'm interviewing people. One of the main reasons I reduced the amount of content I was producing on a day-to-day basis, which was I used to do five segments on uh, on my Timcast channel, and now it's down to two because I needed more time to meet with people and strategize and take care of other business. If my whole all, my whole day was dedicated to just recording and researching, I had no opportunity to grow. So then I stopped doing content on the weekends. I used to do, I think, like three hours on the weekends as well. No, like two and a half. And then like four on the weekdays. Now it's all been reduced quite a bit because on the weekends, we fly people out, we do interviews, and we film the vlog. There's no way I could make it. However, we actually are hiring more journalists, and we are going to have one of our reporters covering the election issues. So I will say a lot of people who are, you know, like diehard Trump supporters will probably be disappointed with our coverage. However, they were they will not be angry to a certain degree, right? I see a lot of the stuff that comes out from like MSNBC and a lot of these mainstream outlets, and it's just disparaging and poorly framed and everything like that. Now, we're going to be fair, which means airtime for the Republicans, airtime for the Democrats. Uh, and the argument. And so our goal is, here's what the Republican said. Here's what the Democrat said. You decide. We can only give you the information. We're not going to tell you what to think. Uh, I'm sure that will be satisfactory to many, many people who aren't getting that from the mainstream press. And I'm sure we'll get smeared by the mainstream press for simply entertaining the fact that Republicans have opinions on the matter. But that's what we'll do. So he mentioned Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon has a bunch of reporters who actually go and talk to the people who are conducting these audits and stuff. So you should turn to Bannon's war room if you're interested in that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, my friends, if you haven't already, give that like button a little tap. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. You can follow us at Timcast IRL on Facebook and Instagram at Timcast underscore IRL on TikTok because we are in all of these places trying to gain influence and win friends. I can I also put it that way. You can follow me personally at Timcast. And of course, we're gonna have a bonus segment coming up at Timcast.com in a little bit. But uh, Kenny, is there anything you want to shout out your book, obviously your social media? Well, I'm also president of a group called Colorist United. We advocate for a race blind America. And that, that's the ideal that America should be right. You know, I understand we've had problems with race regarding to America today. But if any country in the world is going to finally become a country where race doesn't have to matter in a person's life, where we can judge a person just solely as an individual. It has to be America because we are the most diverse country in the nation. We have been able to handle this diversity experiment relatively well. So go to colorusunited.org if you're interested in this concept and shoot me a question or link, anything that you want. What was that? So say one more time. Color. Color Us United. Color Us United. Colorusunited.org. Yes. All right. And the uh, book, An Inconvenient Minority. My book, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy, you can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever books are sold. Buy it, because then when it hits a number, we got, uh, uh, so I'm not going to say we take full credit for this. Yes, we do. But (laughs) yes, Michael Knowles was like, if we hit number one, it's because of you guys. No, it's because Michael Knowles' fans keep 
super chatting us <laughs> and sneaking in, Excellent. shouting out. I thought speechless. it was going to be true and not a Shabbat, a speechless <laughs> oh, by Michael Moles. Yeah. I, I will say though, I'm I'm extremely proud of when I read the super chat where it told the Amazon robot to order <laughs> speechless. And uh, smart. and then people were like, I went to my Amazon shopping cart and the book was in there. I'm like, buy it. But uh, you guys definitely should buy an inconvenient minority because when this reaches number one on Amazon, and it should, hopefully, or when it rises in the ranks, people see it. Mm-hmm. It's free advertising. So it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. And then when people are wondering what this is and they read it, they'll start to understand what's wrong with this critical race applied principles in our schools. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Kenny. Thank Lydia. you, Tim. Yeah, Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. You guys can follow me at iancrosslin.net and on social media, Ian Crosslin. Thanks again. I want to read this Calvin Coolidge quote because it actually is super good and I see why it's too long. Okay, so I'll try to make it quick. It says, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problem of the human race. I actually really like that quote, long as it is. Wow. Um, so that's a, a, an excellent summary of Tim's idea about grit and the studies that they've conducted about that. Right on. You guys may follow me on Twitter at Sour Patch Kids as I, uh, excuse me. Almost. Oh no, I'm going to give them <laughs> no. more followers. You may follow me at Sour Patch Lids. Do not follow Sour Patch Kids because <laughs> I want more followers than they have. It's my only goal in life right now. Thanks, guys. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.